everybody, and welcome to episode 376 of Video Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparez, coming to you from the Austin Ellsbury Memorial Theater of the Airwaves. Who else is here with me? Chris Antista, without a funny name, but a mild 30-20-10 plug, because guess who turns 20 years old this week? <laughs> is that the shouting mummy? Uh... It's close. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. Happy birthday, Waluigi. Get ready to celebrate. Wow. 20? 20. I'm introducing Mario Tennis. And who else? Can't decide if I should be Matthew Forward or Matthew Connect or Matthew Direct, Matthew Allen. And special guest. Greg Moore. I didn't, oh, jeez, I didn't think of a name either. And, and, and I tried to earlier today and was really embarrassed that I couldn't think of any clever samurai stuff yeah that's that's fine i i got four, four years in japan i, I got a samurai clip that can uh, can carry us through this garuga mess oh yeah yes <laughs> i love that the crowd's like oh yeah they're so excited yeah yeah that is of course fuck my me. sushi did that guy just mention garuga mess from across the restaurant <laughs> that's from the infamous sakura Khan 2009 and go oh. look it up to see a bunch of white people screaming in a sushi restaurant about Japanese things they like. <laughs> uh, so, this is going to be a fun week. Ghost of Tsushima is out this week. None of us have played it yet because none of us get advanced copies of anything except Maneater. Oh, man, you got Maneater? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. It was pretty awesome. Uh, we got uh, Mario, the Paper Mario and the Origami Kingdom, the Origami Killer. Origami uh, King. King. I yeah. know. That's all I can think of. <laughs> the true detective crossover. Um, it was Luigi the entire time. Um, no way. Oh, no. The tragedy. But yeah, a bunch of bunch of cool stuff came out late last week and, and this week that we're going to talk about. But first, Ghost of Tsushima, of course. I'm, I'm actually pronouncing it right this episode. Aren't you proud of me? It's a samurai game, a rather fanciful one made by Sucker Punch in Seattle, but uh, under the auspices of Sony, possibly the most important Japanese company of the last 80 years, maybe. Uh, Nintendo, man, Nintendo. Yeah, they're pretty pretty big, but Sony is, is always credited as the ones like back in the 70s and 80s, they kind of propelled Japanese consumer electronics to a whole other level and pushed this uh, idea of they are, they are almost solely responsible for yes. right-wing yellow panic. Oh, well, <laughs> Sony. shit. Yeah. It's true. The Japanese will eat us alive. Oh, oh yes, 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 of course. Oh, no, they're suddenly an economic powerhouse. Only we're allowed to do that. I, I know that's not true because I've seen the movie Gung Ho, so I know it was oh. Honda and Toyota that made oh, everyone freak goodness. out. Oh, goodness. That, uh, how does that hold up? <laughs> that movie? That's a great like, question. Was, is Michael Keaton the king of, like, saccharine 80s comedies that are now problematic? This guy has to raise his children, Mr. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe it? He made them food! <laughs> ah, okay. But yeah, uh, Ghost of Tsushima inspired us to think about samurai games, which... Fuck that. Gung-ho is the best fucking segue. Oh, wait, we weren't doing my, that. My favorite part is the final scene where as the Japanese man's dying, he looks at him and says, they are all perfect about the cars. He says that about the cars oh. to Michael Keaton. Sorry, I, the, the original top five, which we're not doing, was... Western developed games set in Japan. Set so in that's Japan, why, and, and that was my, explains my gung ho anecdote. And, which you don't and have to none edit of out you, I gave none of you, had played uh, Total War Shogun Two, including me, uh, or Shadow Tactics, <laughs> or any of these other great games that I was going to talk about. So instead, we're just going to talk about samurai games, something everyone loves and can talk about because there's so many of them. 
But for this top five, I tried to zero in on games that offer something approaching a fully formed samurai experience. So it's not just window dressing. You don't just happen to be a samurai. Being a samurai mm. is key to everything in this game, except for maybe one of these. Greg and I uh, used to work for, for Capcom, and we were working on a public look at the localization of Ace Attorney. And I remember the localizer was talking about, like, Ace Attorney 5 had, like, these serious differences between Ronan and Samurai that, that she did not expect Americans to understand. And really? like, you are mm-hmm. correct. I do not understand <laughs> that at all. And I am, I am almost 40. I don't get, I, I don't it's, know the difference. It's very slightly. simple. Uh, a Samurai is a Samurai with a job and a Ronin is an unemployed Samurai. Who's usually Yeah, cool. because it was a social, it was a social class. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like being an, in the upper class and also kind of a cop. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a real sheriff. You, no, normally, you would serve a master, but if you didn't have a master, you were just sort of this free, masterless yeah. guy who was of that class and wore the swords. I've, I've, have you, any of you guys oh. ever read the um, Way of Bushido, like the book? I have only seen Tom Cruise as the Last Samurai. That is my only context <laughs> for any of this. So I've tr- I've I've read a lot of the Way of Bushido, which is like kind of like eh, this, they have a very fatalistic view of the world because oh, it's yeah. all about serving your master or dying, basically, mm-hmm. or willing to being willing to die to for for serving your master. It's it's pretty intense way of living, you know, like a, a real Bill Barr situation. <laughs> 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 yeah. We all clink our elite glasses. Uh, Hagakure was uh, one I had to read in college at one point, and it's like full of these like aphorisms and little little parables for samurai. Just basically a book of advice that this guy wrote down. And one that I'll never forget is something along the lines of: uh, if a face is cut lengthwise, trampled by uh, or urinated on, and trampled by straw sandals, it will come off. This is knowledge to be treasured. <laughs> Which I guess would come in handy if, like, oh no, we've lost the battle and we have to hide our lord's head. Quick, stomp his face off so nobody can recognize him. That's great. Put that on a plaque when you're when you're giving your own yeah, office. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was also, trying to look it up. It's on a bookshelf right behind me, and I can't reach it. Damn it! My headphones won't reach. Uh, look, you got to look past the uh, Oswald Disney's treasure set. It's got to be underneath there. Just watch Forrest Whitaker's Ghost Dog: Way of the Samurai. Yes, because that that quotes liberally from the book. Uh, it's not a bad movie, though, but an odd choice for a samurai. <laughs> my, my first exposure to Ghost Dog was a Homestar Runner Halloween episode where one of the characters dressed as him. Oh, and I was like, what is that samurai <laughs> character? <laughs> well, my friends are like, you got to see Ghost Dog, man. That thing's yeah. amazing. I, I saw a trailer for that before watching Blair Witch, I think. And like the audience that I was with kept like trying to laugh at it. Like, oh, a big fat guy is a samurai. ha, <laughs> ha. Why, why aren't they making jokes? Wait, I'm, this is serious? Oh, no, no, it's funny, right? <laughs> it, was, it was not Beverly Hills Ninja. Yeah. He went to they, the wrong They clearly movie. thought it was. And it was not. <laughs> you know, I haven't seen Ghost Dog in a while, but there's actually a chance, now that I'm thinking about it, that that's the best Western-made samurai movie. <laughs> so so what you're saying is it is the Ghost of Tsushima of movies. <laughs> well, that remains to the be The Ghost seen, Dog of Tsushima, yeah. if you will. <laughs> Well, they should make that. God damn! Where's, I can't wait for the PC version mod to come out. Yeah, I was I was kind of surprised <laughs> that uh, Ghost of Tsushima apparently was inspired by a favorite old comic series of mine, Usagi Ojimbo, which is getting its own show on Netflix called Samurai Rabbit, uh, which is wow. Yeah. 
that, that's so unbelievable. Like, if you don't have the courage to adapt this, they, yeah, <laughs> yeah they right. had to dumb down the samurai rabbit. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's also gonna, I guess, be set in the future or something. Which, like, why even bother? Why bother? And, and, and I've always, I, I've always said a variation on this. If you have the word chronicles in your title, you don't know what your story is. And it's it's one of the worst things. Like, what's your what's your story called? The story of something. Yeah. Like, what, <laughs> why? Like, it's going to be a chronicle of something. You don't need this here. I beg to differ on Vin Diesel. Chronicles of Riddick was amazing. It's absurd. It's a hoity-toity piece of horseshit people do to make their work seem more important. It's always used on shit that sucks. Sonic games and Vin Diesel movies. Yeah. But you know, someone hasn't read the tale of Genji. <laughs> it's not very action packed. <laughs> well, there's also the tale of Heike. Oh, that's true. Which, uh, which is... spawned the game Genji, not yes. the tale of Genji. And, and I remember at PR <laughs> at the time got them confused. I was like, "Oh, it's based on the tale of the Genji." And I'm like, "No, it isn't. It's named for no. the bad guys. It's the Heike, <laughs> not the Genji." Well, not the bad guys. So I, took, I was losers. I was taking a class in college on the source, like the the actual historical event that inspired that game, mm-hmm. and I've forgotten everything about the class except that that game came up in class because it had like mystical stones or like is that the one that they or something? The three conference of being realistic, and then the first thing they showed yes, was the giant, giant crab, crab from the. Green. Well, that was the sequel, yeah. But it was, I mean, it was, yeah, it was the same thing. It was like, yeah, this is derived from real life events, but we <laughs> shoehorned in giant. The crabs crab. were like, so big back then; it was amazing. It's a <laughs> version of real life events, like to, to give context to Michael's earlier uh, uh, thought uh, before Sony, Japan's leading export was enchanted runes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Nintendo had Hanafuda cards, and Sony had Enchanted Runes. Everyone knows that. But but like I, I think I saw a like a sixty minutes special like back in the eighties that was talking about Sony and saying that like before Sony like Japan was kind of widely known in the U S for like oh this is something cheaply manufactured and disposable and it's like no we're gonna we're gonna make quality over here. It's, quality and, yeah. and, and uh, allegedly with the quality of life from the people making it. It's actually like yes. something like well, worthy of supporting. Less less so in the 80s, apparently. <laughs> like yeah. there was that, uh, you know, work yourself to death ethic. But uh, Well, yeah, and Cosmic Curie would just go up, go around beating people up and money would fly out of their pockets yeah, everywhere. Exactly. It was, well, it was a bubble economy, man. You got a lot more money for punching <laughs> so thugs much back money. in those days. I know. Just, just keep keep away from Mr. Shakedown. You'll be fine. It's the best part of that game and then you go to play Kiwami 1 and you don't see the money and it's such a fucking disappointment. It's yeah. like, where's the money flying everywhere? <laughs> I, I will say the samurai spinoff from the Ryuga Gotoku Yakuza games. Yeah, is, shit, we forgot about is, that. One. I did not forget about it. I have no way to play it. So oh, I can't yeah, say yeah, if yeah. It deserves uh, to be in the top five. Wait, right. why, why can't you play it? Um, well, because it's on Japanese PS3, and uh, uh, I'd probably have to order a disc and then I for- muddle Dude, through without in, understanding Japanese. In ten years, we've gone from, like, there's a U- new Yakuza game coming out, and it'll never be localized, to right now, like, there's a new Yakuza game coming out, and it's free for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to pay a cent. Crazy. It's been localized amazingly. And there, there's a new one with turn-based combat coming after that, and we're all super excited for it. Like, what? Yeah, very, very strange. <laughs> I think Yakuza 0 broke some sort of barrier that it's just like, oh, this is such a great introduction to the series, it moves so quickly, it's so much fun, that it mm-hmm. became a hit very quickly. 
So. Yeah, Yakuza went from like the way I remember it being introduced, like this isn't as good as GTA, and like it's not supposed to. Be. <laughs> Can you imagine Yakuza <laughs> yeah. being brought up in the same fucking paragraph as GTA yeah. in, in twenty twenty? Like, yeah, it's but weird. It's so much better than River City Ransom, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a beat 'em up, and if you want to go see me play it, head on over to Twitch.tv/slash C. Allen, where I've been streaming a bunch of Yakuza games. So oh, there you nice go. Plug. Nice plug. All right. Uh, and I'll just Michael I'll just throw you. in a patreon.com slash laser time if you want hey! to get your name on the studio. That's right. Good Ooga Mess! Still makes me laugh. That guy's eyeliner is fucking on point. Where do we though, find man? that guy? I want to know what oh. he's up to. I think somebody f- caught up with him like years a few years ago and did an article about it. Oh, they did? Yeah. Is he is he a, a, a guarantee he's behind the QAnon Wayfair conspiracy? <laughs> I <laughs> promise you. <laughs> uh, all right. I, my favorite is the and gaming guy because he looks like he just came out of his shell just yeah. then. Yeah. <laughs> it's the first time he's ever spoken People up. Are talking about Japan, I must say something, and then like halfway through, he's like, and gaming. <laughs> It's like someone asked you to dance. He's, for he's the really first saying, time. "And me too." <laughs> me, I'm part of a thing. Okay, I don't. Uh, I don't want to be that guy, but I got to point out we're 20 minutes in and we oh, have shit. not even started the top five. All right, all right. <laughs> well, fix this in post. Okay, let's talk about samurai games right after this. Do you like Video Game Apocalypse and 30 2010? Well, the Laser Time Patreon has figured out a way to combine the two. Over at patreon.com slash laser time, we've taken a month's worth of 302010's games from 30, 20, and 10 years ago and grabbed the hosts, Michael Raparez and Matthew Allen from Video Game Apocalypse. And with our combined three decades plus in the games industry, we found a great way to take a deep dive into the biggest gaming anniversaries of the month. Here's a recent sample. And I really want to talk about this, Combat Tribes, because in a weird yes. way, Combat Tribes sort of taught me how to read. I remember being very young in a summer camp, and we were at a bowling alley for a week. No one could really figure out what to call this game, and you know, without an internet or a caring adult, Combat Tribes, com- Coma Tribes, com- <laughs> Yeah, it was it was difficult. We all had different, and I've never, only until recording podcasts, have I heard anybody. Uh, Combat tribes makes the most sense. What doesn't make sense is that this is a beat 'em up from Technos, the Double Dragon people, who yes. built us the beat 'em up. And this game has no jump. It has a dash yeah. knee move like Double Dragon. I just played this, obviously, but I I loved it. I love beat 'em ups, and this one is bloody and brutal. You can kick and punch people when they're down. You can slam clown's head into the pavement until blood splatters everywhere. I fucking love this game. And I, I will never forget like the ad campaign for it, which was like this comic book ad in EGM with like the main villain, Martha Splatterhead, who's like a hot blonde in a tight dress. It's like, oh, I'm, my gangs will take over the city. And like, not if the combat tribes, Berserker, Bulova, and Blitz can stop you. Yeah. And she's like, oh, come on, Blitz, you wouldn't hit a lady, would you? And then like the last frame is just this muscle man standing over a woman that he's just punched out, screaming, cyborgs ain't ladies. <laughs> So, in addition to weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive specials, you can get the 302010 Video Games Edition, celebrating a month of important gaming milestones every single month at patreon.com slash lasertime in exchange for just five bucks. And you'll support all of the Lasertime shows, including Video Game Apocalypse, right guys? Yeah!
And we're back to talk about what? The Five Man. Rings book of yeah. Samurai. Samurai me? The top <laughs> five rings <laughs> of being Last a samurai. I'll do it. <laughs> You're back, Greg. You're back, baby. His right. pun game is back. Ring the first. Here we go. Number five. All right, lots of uh, hissing, monstery sounds. Ah, okay, the horror, the horror sounds. sounds. Is this Oni Musha? This is Oni oh, Musha, yeah. and we're, I'm going to call it specific games in this, but we can use this as an opportunity to talk about the series as a whole if we yeah. want. Oni Musha came and had four brilliant games and a, a few forgettable spinoffs, and then just kind of left forever. It did only to come mm-hmm. back fairly recently with a remaster that's like, mm. eh, it's pretty okay. Oh. Of just the first one. Yeah, yeah. That mystified me a little. It is a little odd. It's called um, testing the waters, baby. Mm-hmm. And apparently, yeah. <laughs> it was tepid because they mm. have not dove back in. <laughs> well, and all the other ones have likenesses of real people, yeah. some of whom are dead. Yes. <laughs> yes, there's that too. Which one died? No, well, one of them was dead at the time they made. Yes. And oh, okay. Onimusha 2, it's uh, Yuhei Matsuda's dad. I feel like a heretic for not knowing who that is. He was in Black Rain with Michael Douglas. Oh, wow. I can't think of his name. I've Matsuda seen that movie. That movie's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, he's that. He's like the bad guy. That's right. So they, they like licensed his likeness. His dead likeness, wow. yeah. That's crazy. And Jean Reno eventually. And then yeah, Jean, Jean, Jean Reno. And, uh, cool. Actually, I guess one also has a likeness of... Yeah, the, the guy who um, plays Samonosuke in one is, is somebody, some, some Japanese actor. But I, I think I got a bit turned off of three because Jean Reno, even though he can speak and act in English, for whatever reason, his his English lines as that character were just done by somebody else. Probably because he's very expensive. Yeah, probably. Like, I think yeah. Americans don't understand that John Renault internationally is a incredibly bankable person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's not just the professional and the American Godzilla. <laughs> hey, 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 trust me. I recognized him from the movie French Kiss when this game came out, and I said, I need to get that game because mm-hmm. the French Kiss guy's in there. So Onimusha was Samurai Resident Evil. Um, not the yep. first yeah, Samurai much. Resident Evil, but it was the first one by Capcom. Uh, mm. the, the first one was actually a game called, I think, Soul of the Samurai, which was put out by Konami uh, mm. on, yes. on original oh, I'm so PS1, glad you mentioned that. Which is, yeah, it was like zombies and you're a samurai and you go around cutting up the zombies. I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about that game. <laughs> it's so Onimusha. I played it's through good. it and I barely remember it, but I remember it like, oh, this came to market before Onimusha. That means it's better. It's it's very good. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty good. Maybe not as good as Onimusha. Because Onimusha gives you a magic gauntlet that you get from uh, ghost ogres to fight demons. With your current power, you are not capable of destroying demons. We will give you our powers. We are the clan of ogres that has been subverted by the demons. Samanosuke, defeat and seal their souls to your right hand. Okay, so yeah, they this like, oh, you're not powerful enough. Here, let us give you a thing that looks like an insect carapace that you wear over your right forearm, and whenever you kill a demon, its soul will float around and you can just absorb it and use the souls to power yourself up. You know, it was only earlier this year that I noticed that Oni has been consistently translated as ogre. Mm-hmm. 
for like you know at least 15 years and that's like that's exactly what they are it's yeah, kind of well, weird we, that our like mythology is converged the closest approximation we have is like the the only yeah. are a little little different from like our our shreks but uh you know they're <laughs> close enough though yeah. yeah it's like the the other close approximation would be like a goblin it's like oh they're not goblins they're they're big oafs they're they're Probably based on the first Westerners to reach Japan because they're hairy and stinky and huge. <laughs> Bulging. Yeah. Look, sailors didn't have the best forehead. hygiene in the, the 1400s yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Nor yeah. do I after this quarantine. <laughs> Nor do any of us. Uh, but, but yeah. It's, it's been 15 years since an Onomushi game. Yeah. It was like Dawn of Dreams, I think, was the last one. And people forget about Blade Warriors, which was like Onimusha mm-hmm. Smash Brothers, and uh, and then the GBA one. Yeah, the tactics game. You know, that's one of those series that people would would always get on our case for uh, in the Capcom days for yeah. you know letting go to sleep. But it's like I think they forgot how oversaturated it got. It to, did. Like once once you've got like the tactics spinoff and the Smash Brothers clone, it's time to go to sleep for a while. <laughs> you, hear, you hear that, Halo? maybe not 15 years but uh you know yeah it's a while but yeah that that first one was pretty cool and it got genma onimusha the xbox one that added that creepy doll that would follow you around like the nemesis is that what it added i I never actually looked into it There, there was like this this one of those old uh japanese dolls that would like float around and have like i think spikes come out of it or something and it would follow you and you'd have to run away or, or fight it. So, uh, yeah, try try playing the game with that. It's an added challenge. You know, Onimusha is, is one of those... Uh, it's a Capcom game through and through and where where it has a, like, f- fundamental mechanic that they don't even teach you at all, which, like, completely <laughs> changes <laughs> the entire, like, core loop of the game, which is... The, do you know what I'm talking about? The Isen thing it's like if you if you attack just as you're about to be attacked you Mm. do like a slick dodge and instant kill and so you can one hit kill like every enemy in the game oh nice (laughs) that's useful you play the remake yeah i did Mm -hmm. yeah it's good i mean you know it's it's they it's no frills they just made it crisper Mm -hmm. it looks prettier the the textures are still like oh yeah this is a blown up ps2 texture but uh Mm. yeah yeah it works and uh one thing I always liked about Onimusha was that they kind of the the demons that you're fighting aren't just beasts; they're very human in their way. They're just uh, devious schemers, like Gildenstern here. Nobunaga. <laughs> I operated on and resurrected that pitiful Nobunaga after he was killed in Okihazuma. He then made a pact with the demons and pledged his eternal loyalty to serve us forever as our slave. No! Oh, yes, it is indeed true. Now, let me show you my most recent creation. Go, Renato! Bite the belly of that maggot and feast upon his bloody flesh! (laughs) (laughs) And, And, yeah, he does mention Nobunaga there, one of the... Like any self-respecting samurai series, uh, Nobunaga, Oda Nobunaga, based on the factual warlord who tried to unite Japan, is the villain here. And not only that, that this is a version of him that is 
uh, demonic that he he not only sells his soul to the demons but eventually becomes their emperor and controls them and and like future games have demons dying for the glory of Nobunaga which is a little weird but uh, I but, I only know his ambition that's that's the, I was just yeah, about to say yeah. it, it's sad that most of my Nobunaga's knowledge comes from video games yeah. well he's he's kind of a towering figure in Japanese history oh, yeah. and has been mythologized quite a lot. This isn't even games. the only depiction of him as like a demon warlord. Oh no! Like far he from it. he was frequently treated that way. Yeah, yeah. So what? Yeah, what? What is the meaning of that, Greg? In terms of like, do the Japanese people resent the fact that they were all unified, or what? no? I think it's just that he seemed to have like in the collective consciousness uh, in Japan. I think he just is seen as this sort of larger than life figure who like accomplished so much through violence you know i mean he's like a genghis khan right <laughs> where it's just like he was such a successful warlord that it's it's it seems like he must have had some kind of otherworldly dark I'm just, power i'm just yeah. glancing at all this shit and like you know tecmo koei put out a noble naga's ambition like a year ago yeah. And, oh, and, it's yeah. I think it's just. And it's like, is, is, is this? Do they do they treat this era the same way like America treats the Western game? Like you get real excited for Red Dead Redemption, but like not a lot of other <laughs> Western <laughs> games. Uh, I think it's more niche than that, though. You know, because mm-hmm. it is a it's a strategy simulation. Oh, that's so right. I they didn't it, they didn't I, shame adults out of playing games in the eighties and nineties. It's Japan. I forgot. No, they, no, they did. They oh, did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, trust me. They, oh, oh. they tried to to do things to get adults interested in games. Like, here's a horse racing simulator. You like horse racing, right? Don't here's care. a modem for the Famicom that let you bet on actual horse races. How about that? <laughs> uh, but you're talking about Nobunaga. You said like, oh, it's like he's assisted by a uh, some sort of otherworldly evil power. In a way, he was because he was one of the first Japanese warlords to make nice with the Portuguese when they came in, and he traded for a lot of muskets and cannons, and he started affecting Western dress. And uh, I'm not sure if he actually sincerely converted to christianity or just pretended to to please them but it's like couldn't have been too sincere if he killed that many people yeah yeah, that's true that's well a lot of christians killed a lot of people he had the bad kind of ambition is what Mm. you're saying yeah but but i've I've always kind of suspected that the demons in onimusha are like a stand-in for the europeans who are coming in and and trying to help nobunaga with his ambitions um Hmm. And and the the fact that they all have names like Guildenstern and Fortinbras, like that kind of holds up a little bit. They it's a good all point. these Shakespearean names. So yeah, yeah, I hadn't mm. thought of that. That also explains why they're rendered so grossly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're disgusting. Everyone here is smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> nah, uh, but anyway, um, yeah. But but Onimusha, fun series. Wish yeah. it would come back. Um, yeah. I always found it more accessible than the Resident Evil games. Even I just like really? the I like the combat. It it just felt like they were building upon the Resident Evil formula and improving some of the stuff. But then it'd be I would love to have seen what they would have done like using the Resident Evil Four template and moving mm. forward with the Onimusha series. That you know, would like, have been what pretty could that cool. Have been? Yeah. I wish Onimusha would come back, but uh, this next entry is much more recent. Number four. <laughs> world turns.
bit more modern in its setting, too. What Damn, this, this really was one of my favorite recent games. This is Katana Zero, man. That yeah. tape recorder gave it away. Yep. That, that so was... this raises the question, what mm-hmm. is a samurai? Hmm. I don't, what in counts this case, as a samurai? It's, it's a guy in a bathrobe with a sword. <laughs> and he's like he, a, and he's a hitman, right? He's a yeah. Well, he's he's, he's convinced he's a samurai at mm-hmm. least, and he certainly has skills like a samurai. I mean, being able to slice bullets is pretty cool. Yeah, true. And slow down time. Everyone knows samurai could slow down time. Yes, yes. The they're, they're on time altering drugs. <laughs> this guy was for sure. <laughs> but yeah, this this does stretch the the credibility a bit. And I will just state for the record that when I said like should i bump this or samurai showdown 2 you guys were like eh, we don't really know that much about samurai showdown so i think it well, has the spirit of a samurai game ah yes yeah yeah, yeah he, he definitely i think he qualifies because he kind of has his own moral code that he follows too mm-hmm. in this game like he's he's very much on his own samurai path you know, mm-hmm. uh, to the point to the, like other other people around him are kind of like, why are you weird like that? Other than just the bathrobe thing, yeah. why are you acting that way? He has a Punisher logo on his Crown Vic. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's he's very quiet, keeps to himself mostly. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's he has no particular compunction about killing although something seems to be getting to him but katana zero kind of takes place in like some fictional future after some kind of like devastating war that he's a veteran of and he's dealing with all these criminals he gets his orders from his psychiatrist who will just like pretend to counsel him and then like okay here are your orders in this dossier so it's a bit like hotline miami like you don't really know why you're doing the things you're doing you're just Mm. doing them because you're told to and then uh everything just explodes into incredible violence and if you get hit by anything even once you're dead but uh at that point time will always rewind And you will reset to your original position, and you'll get to do it again instantly. Yep. Yeah, it's and a bit like Hotline Miami in a lot of ways, too. The game, it's a, it's a bit, what, what do we say at the time? It's like a side-scrolly Hotline Miami, yes. right? Because you, you are I've basically, ne- you're planning out how you're going to proceed through a level to kill everyone in that mm-hmm. level and tr- without getting hit one time. I have yeah. never heard of this for some reason. It was um, on our like best games of the year list. Either what, what did it come out last year or the year before? I don't remember. It was last year. Okay. Uh, it's it's, it's it, the launch trailer so is almost a year game. old, but I love that it, it ends with a, the main character being shot in the face. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm I really want to play. This, this looks lovely. It is. You'd love it, mm-hmm. and you'd enjoy oh. it quite a bit, I think. Um, but yeah, the the main character gets shot in the face several times, but it's always a red herring. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's like, it's never entirely clear, are things actually happening, or is he just glimpsing them in the future? Because yeah. things always rewind. And and one of the coolest things, too, is, is um, there's dialogue trees that if you do certain things, you can actually change the outcome of the game. That's the one thing I need to go ah, yes. do. There's there's a hidden boss if you act a certain way and do certain things that you can unlock and, yes. and uh if for, you if you are very rude and interrupt people constantly to wit that 
is is just like they're in mid sentence and you just like nope hammer on the button to give a yeah. rude answer that just cuts them off. And they'll always they'll always give you one more chance because they they can just probably assume you're button mashing to get through dialogue. Where mm-hmm. it's like, wait, did you just interrupt me? And then you can be like, oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That is a feature <laughs> I need on every fucking game. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I wish I could reduce the instinct in myself. Hey, a cutscene's coming up. I should check my email. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah, did that happen? Totally. Check Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Just look at my phone for a little while. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm paying attention. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. They should just, just stop doing cutscenes. I think so. Except for the kind of scene where you cut a guy. Oh yeah. Which this game. A lot of those in this game. Yeah. Tons of those. Got those in the spades. Mm -hmm. Got that. You can throw bottles at guys with one shot on. Cleavers, statue heads. I think. Uh, Yeah, and like the time manipulation helps you get through like timed lasers and auto guns and stuff like that. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, this, is, you can, this is a very weird situation where I want to play this immediately. Hmm. I don't want you to show. God, I want to say it might be part of Game Pass or one of those. Like, I, I was surprised it was out there very easily played and maybe for free. It might have been one of those games that, like, Twitch gave away for free. It's a Devolver digital game that was never more than $20. Hmm. I, know it's, yeah. I know it's tax week, but I might. I got this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you totally should. You totally should play it. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And, and yeah, the, the branching paths reward additional playthroughs with cool new stuff. But speaking of branching paths and additional playthroughs... Number three! Uh, no list of samurai games would be complete without... The people of Amana struggle to survive. For in Amana, war is incessant. In fact, one battle has just ended. But the only souls to cast off the woes of war are those that lie dead heaped on the ground to those that wander the battlefield is hell our world or the one beyond no one knows for sure this is a game uh, near and dear to my heart i'm not sure if anyone else in the world has played this well i know i know you guys have played a couple greg you've played at least two of these i can't remember if i played two or three hmm. but uh, i've definitely played at least one way of the samurai game yes which so, I like to call Choose Your Own Adventure, the video game. It basically is, yes. So we've, we've <laughs> talked about Way of the Samurai before. Uh, it's a series of five games, although I don't really count the fifth one for reasons I'll get into. Uh, they're, oh. they're, they're very short and kind of compact in that like, you can play through in a couple of hours and have a complete adventure, but it's it's a very broad game in that there are a bunch of different things you can do within those two hours that will dramatically change the course of the story and the experience that you have in it. Yes. Well, so it's essentially a roguelike, isn't it? No. Well, no? no, it's it's a clockwork world in, yeah, in all okay. of these. And so things will happen on a schedule. And it's kind of a matter of if you are in the right place at the right time, you will see events and get to participate in them. Yeah, it's, um, it's more like Majora's Mask in that it's okay. uh, they've, yeah. they've like packed a lot of different content into this kind of set amount of time. And then depending on where you go or if you – I think it even like if you win or lose battles, right, it'll 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 uh, change yeah. the story. Yeah, yeah. It, it does make a difference. And uh, interestingly, in a lot of the games, uh, you can apologize your way out of a fight. And, uh, like, in, in Way of the Samurai 3, which might be my favorite, there's actually a button for it that you can hit at any time. And just, like, you, you will just go down and immediately start bowing. And then your opponent will be like, huh, 
and they'll either keep attacking or they'll be like, all right, get the fuck out of here. Go on. Yeah. Yeah. It feels so bad for you. And sometimes they'll do the same to you. And I, I felt kind of bad for that because like certain enemies, when they're like near the brink of death, they'll be like, I can see the end. Oh God. And there's like one guard who is like obsessed with, uh, cats and uh, if you fight him at one point and he gets near death, and this always stuck with me, uh, he'll be like, I will miss fresh fish and the kitties. And oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't want to kill you. You're adorable. Um, That's actually but, a mis- mistranslation of the original Japanese, mm-hmm. where all he's saying is, I'm going to miss pussy yeah, a lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> pussy smell like fish. What was whoa, that whoa, like, oh, whoa. Cut that. I looked away for a second, and I don't know what <laughs> podcast I'm on anymore. Like, goddamn. Uh, all right. But anyway, Way of the Samurai. Yes. Okay, the, the first one is just sort of like, here's a samurai story. One day you walk into this town... And uh, you see some thugs roughing up this girl and one of them throws her over his shoulder. And so you can walk up and like, well, do you intervene? Most people on the first time probably would. Yes, you can do that. You can get into a fight. You can save the girl and you can be introduced to a guy named Donald Donatellus, who is a black samurai with an afro who's like one of the coolest characters in the game. And you can be his, his friend and together you'll fight oppression and save the townspeople or... You can just say you don't want to get involved and keep walking and have a different adventure. Or you can go up to the guy who's carrying the girl and it's like, can I join you? And he'll be like, who the fuck is this guy? What a piece of scum. Get rid of him. And then they, like, they tie you to the train tracks and, and leave. And a different guy comes by and is like, hey, if you join up with me, I'll save you. Like, oh, fine. But there's, there's always like multiple factions in the game. Uh, in the first one, I think there's like a samurai clan. There's uh, a group of rebels who live in the mountains. And then there's like the townspeople. And in later ones, like y- you kind of get into these Yojimbo type scenarios where it's like there are different like the two gangs vying for control of a town. And you can sort of start pretend to ally with both of them and start playing them off each other uh, for whatever end, whether it's to help the townspeople to create more chaos uh, the most recent one, Where the Samurai 4, is easily the, the goofiest. Like, just over the top, like, here, ha- here's a tuna fish. It's your sword now. Go around clubbing guys with it. There's an envoy from Britain here in this little port town, and uh, the British ambassador is a 14-year-old blonde girl, and her bodyguard is a marine named Melinda Megamelons, <laughs> which <laughs> I found out was, was a mistranslation. Oh, because yeah. she was supposed to be... You guys thought the pussy joke yeah. was bad. Huh? Yeah, she was worse. supposed to be Melinda DeCameron, but I guess when you katakanaize DeCameron a decameron, like deca, right. Greg, doesn't that mean like huge or something like that? Uh, yeah, big, so big uh, melon. Yeah, That's how a translator misread it and like, oh, Melinda Mega Melons. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Um, so yep. yeah, it, it takes away from the seriousness of the game quite a bit, but I was sort of surprised. So the main factions there are like, so there's the, the shogunate operatives who you can, you can join up with or help. There's the British. And then there's this like rabid anti-foreigner group who are presented immediately as the bad guys. And uh, in your first dust up between these three factions, there's actually a point where like, they, they try to take the British ambassador hostage and uh, the shogunate guy comes over and is like, hey, help us out, won't you? These are the bad guys. Let's fight them. 
And the quote-unquote bad guy is like, oh, look, it's the Shogun's dog here again. And you can have you have a couple of choices, like, I won't let you get away with this. Or you turn to the Shogun guy and say, I don't like dogs. And then you turn around and you side with the, the, uh, the anti-foreigner group. But it turns out, if you hang out with them, like, oh, they actually have a pretty good case. It's like, Europeans have colonized and robbed every country they've come to. All right, we don't want Japan to be the same. Like, fair? Okay. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like uh, Uncle Tucker Carlson told me, Western civilization is responsible for every advancement oh, we've today. Of course, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I wish I knew what his thoughts were right now, but he he had to take a a long planned vacation. <laughs> his head writer turned out to be a rapid fascist. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, sexist yeah. too. He made some pretty pretty bad mm-hmm. remarks about women. Um. Anyway, but uh, but yeah, and I, I like the depth like even if you choose the quote-unquote evil path like you'll always find something sympathetic there and they sort of develop the story in that direction in ways that you wouldn't see if you were picking one of the other paths through yeah so i was trying to remember if there was some kind of uh like carry because the idea is you play through it multiple times and see all the different paths Mm -hmm. right but right was there some kind of carryover where you could like end up amassing all the swords in the game and like i mean they would yeah, go into you, some as you collect well i don't know I, I remember as you collect swords like they will stay in your inventory and your inventory stays consistent from one game to the next right right and then um okay. i think it might have been in four that like they'll they'll take your previous behavior into account like if you go berserk and just like kill a bunch of random people which you can do uh, then, like, on your next playthrough, there will be a lot more soldiers uh, patrolling to, to keep you under control. Oh, wow. Take that, Undertale. Way of the Samurai yeah. was doing that yeah, shit a long yeah, time but, ago. But, uh, like, right off the bat, Way of the Samurai 3 wants you to know, hey, you better behave yourself. This isn't a battlefield. You cannot go around spilling blood here. Do you understand what I am saying? I could have left you for dead lying on the battlefield in Kuchihagahara, but I didn't brought you here. If you are truly thankful, you shall refrain from fighting or causing trouble in this village. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to do either of those things. (laughs) I smell something. It smells like a beast. A bloodthirsty beast is out of place here. Is it blood I smell? (laughs) I thought so. I smell nothing close to elegance. You are only the second person I've smelled with this stench. The other was Lord Shuzen Fujimori. Who's one of the main bad guys, possible bad guys. In, <laughs> with uh, with a featuring backup from the Cicada Bug Choir. That's a must. I forgot how amazing the soundtrack was to these because it was it's that thing where they combine like Western uh, soundtracks, uh, R.I.P. Ennio Morricone, mm-hmm. uh, with like traditional Japanese yeah. instrumentation. And and actually, their best, especially in three, like the soundtrack will combine like these traditional Japanese influences with like surf rock and like yeah. the, the battle wow. themes yeah. are just great. Like it, it has like uh, just solos worthy of Dick Dale thrown in. There. I, I mean, uh, yeah. I think if I had to like think for a really long time, that might be my favorite genre of music. Mm. Yeah. It's fun. I, I have it's wailing on instruments I, and no lyrics. I love it. I have a giant <laughs> surf rock box set that I can get you then, Chris. Cause, um, but I, it, oddly enough, Japan is one of the, 
biggest countries in the world for for surfing. You know, imagine that an island surrounded by the ocean. I've got the Wikipedia uh, page pulled up for this. So this mm-hmm. was a choir. I don't, was this the oh, segue well. you were talking about earlier, Chris? That this their parent no. company is Gung Ho Online Entertainment. No, no. I, know, like, I know who they are. The Puzzle and Dragons people. I remember like when you mentioned Gung Ho the movie, I was like, yeah, didn't Gung Ho do one of the games on our list? But uh, <laughs> yeah, but these guys kind of owned this space of like the samurai action game mm, back yeah. in like PS2 era. They did the, the first few Tenchu games and they did uh, Samurai Western, which I think oh. I heard was a spinoff of Way of the Samurai. Are they, they the Puzzles yeah. and Dragons people? Uh, they th- recently did Ninjala, didn't they? Or nin- Ninjala? Can we ever figure out how to pronounce yeah, that? Yeah, did Ninjala. They've done a lot. They did. There was a bunch of PS2 games that didn't come out here too. There's one called yeah. Kamiwaza, which I think was like you play like a thief, but it it otherwise looked exactly like it fit in with the way of the samurai world. Yeah, I remember Samurai Western, I played that, was super excited for it, and then was kind of disappointed when it was just like, oh, it's kind of just a formulaic linear hack and slash. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's a very simple game. Yeah, and then um, they also did a spinoff series called Shinobi-Do, and only one yeah, of them yeah. came to the U.S. for Vita, and it was it also didn't have the, the choice element. That uh, Shinobi-Do! Yeah. It was like... <laughs> <laughs> and then the most recent game in this series was uh, Katana Kami, which is like a it's like a roguelite where you go into a dungeon uh, through like a, a sacred tree and you collect a bunch of loot and then you sell the loot to a shopkeeper um, and you try to, to help out the shopkeeper so you can go and collect more loot. It almost made it into our shopkeeper games, which is why I'm so familiar <laughs> ah. with it. I absolutely love this series. If the idea of Samurai Choose Your Own Adventure tickles anyone's fancy, I would say absolutely try out one of these games. Four is maybe the most accessible, even if it is the silliest. And, I mean, both three and four are available on Steam, on PC. Yeah, four also adds, like, some really weird shit to the point of being kind of creepy and that, like, there's a night-crawling minigame where you, if, if you, like, meet a woman out in the world, you can say, like, I think... I'm Bamp! Gonna... I'm going home! <laughs> I'm going to write on 4chan. I Bamp! knew it. We're all, we're all trying to think of a nightcrawler joke. There it is. <laughs> Jesus. I had, to, I had to trample over Michael to get to it. <laughs> Sorry. Where was your German accent, though, man? You needed the German accent. But anyway, you, you walk up to any woman in the world and you say, like, I think I'm in love. And then you have to, like, navigate a few dialogue options. And if you do it successfully, then you've made a date for that night. And you get to go into her house and you have to sneak through the house at night, either avoiding or choking out any family members. And you pay attention to a turtle icon on the lower left that its head will poke out and get bigger as you get closer to the girl. And then it will get all shiny when you're right next to her bed. And then you throw off the covers and she's standing like, oh, you found me. Let's go to the inn together. And then you have to play an amorous wrestling game where you like playfully slap at her and and fill a meter and then (laughs) she just like lays down and you jump on her with like a bunch of barnyard noises and then it just fades to black Was the turtle meter? You got to take a shit, and it's just like you're uh, just trying to hold the shit it, it back while you're doing the wrestling. Might be something else poking game. its head out. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting Jeez. that that's where your head went, uh, Matt. But turtle action, yeah. man! Turtle action. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, yeah. Way of the Samurai. It's a real weird series. Uh, I've probably talked about it for too long, so let me get into something more popular. Number two. 
Sounds like if someone drove a lawnmower through the heart-ripping scene in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> Maybe this will make it slightly clearer. Edward Kelly, you will go to Japan. It seems it would be to our advantage to keep the wars alive. We cannot gain Amrita if blood does not flow. <sighs> oh, yeah. You've played this, Greg. Oh, yeah. What yeah, game this is was, this? This is Neo. This was yeah. my favorite game of 2017. Neo. It's a great game. Quite a big fan. It's, it's one of the Souls. only new games I've ever streamed with you. Hmm. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. This is the right Samurai Souls-like, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I wasn't a fan of the Souls games, really. But um, hmm. this one clicked, and I think it's that the combat was just really fun. So even when you die, it didn't, like... It didn't even feel like a setback because, like, oh, I'll just go back and Souls continue has to have that too. Fun. Like, ah, more people to kill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think for me, I, I played this game and loved the first one, but it's it's just a way more complex Souls game, and so like the the combat's yeah. awesome, but at the same time, it's it's a lot to juggle, and especially once they start adding throwing like gear at you, it's like, okay, which yeah. stance am I supposed to be in? What am I supposed to be using? Yeah. Yeah, I the, didn't, I well, didn't the, love the gear system, which yeah, seemed got, lifted verbatim from Destiny. It got so much more ridiculous in the sequel. Like, I kind oh, of really? fell off the sequel in part because it's like, there's so much gear, I don't know if any of this is any good. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, it's become a trend, and I hope that it's on the decline by now, but, like, this idea that you should be switching out all of your gear every, like, five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, sure. I mean, especially like if in a Souls like where you tend to pick a weapon you like and try to specialize in that weapon, it's like you right. don't you don't want a ton of gear coming at you. Yeah. I didn't realize. Um, so I knew Neo was very loosely based on an actual historical person, uh, William Adams, who was a an English sailor who came to Japan in like the 1400s, uh, got shipwrecked, was basically held hostage while some of his his fellow sailors went back to. Portugal to re- to open up uh, trading relations, but he became a, a top advisor for Ieyasu Tokugawa, and became like one of the first and only Western samurai. So he he lived there for the rest of his life after being shipwrecked, and became very integrated in Japanese society to the point where. By the time more English people started coming to Japan to trade, he was like, oh, I don't, I don't really know how to talk to you guys. I'm just going to stay away. <laughs> hmm. But but in, in the game, he is a an Irish prisoner in the Tower of London who's visited by a fairy named uh, like Saoirse or Sorsha. And mm-hmm. he hears, you know, Edward Kelly's going to go to Japan to find more Amrita, which is this like magical stone that can turn men into yokai i think it's your souls yeah (laughs) they're souls yeah basically but once there he starts meeting all kinds of historical figures including uh the godfather of all ninjas your skill against oni is impressive as is your skill with english my name is hanzo hattori and you are call me william i'm here in pursuit of someone Young enemy, perhaps? Hunting a person down in a strange run will not be easy. 
If you lend me your strength in fighting Ori, I will help you in return. Uh, I'm not That's sure. That's the most authentic damn reading I ever heard. <laughs> I can't. I, yeah, it's like, it's so bad that I'm like, okay, maybe there's a reason. Like, it must be authentic, and that's why it's that bad. It's, it's, that was bad. For a modern game? Like, we don't yeah. do that anymore. Well, like, the only justification that I can think of for that is, like, that is a genuine Japanese person Yes. Speaking the lines. Yes. That's why I'm like, I, yeah, I don't think you can make fun of that because it's like, yeah, that that'd be the only good well, explanation for well, that. Well, also somebody with that level of English control in the 1400s would be a pretty astounding thing to find uh, in right. Japan when there's like yeah, no contact with the outside open, world. Yeah, it doesn't even make sense. No, it absolutely doesn't. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> no. Yeah, you're basically playing like William Wallace in that clip. I'm hello. I've I've crash landed here. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'm just William a pirate Wallace. adrift in a land of ninjas. <laughs> what what else can we do but show our dicks on the battlefield? <laughs> <laughs> Which stance is that? Which button do I need to press to get me dick? Show in? him your dirty Scottish <laughs> butthole. <laughs> Snake, can a dick bloom even on the battlefield? There's no toilet paper in Scotland, not until we're free! Everybody's ass is a arse is a mess! <laughs> I don't know why we're making fun, because Neo's a great game, man. It is a great game. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. I just yeah. love what they did with the key pulse thing, where it feels like... Oh, yeah. Like you, you, you talked breathe. about that, and then I went in to play Neo too, and like knowing that, like okay, that makes it a lot the combat a lot smoother. Um, but I yeah, already forgot yeah, what, what the fuck is. you're talking about. Well, because it's okay. Describe so what it is again. You have your stamina bar, like in Souls, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. Um, when it, so like after you do a bunch of attacks and your stamina goes down, it gives you like a little. Um, how you describe it? It looks like it's filling up, but mm-hmm. um, then it, it like fills up twice, and only the second time does it actually fill up. Unless with perfect time, it's like the quick reload in uh, Gears of War. Actually, it's like right. if yeah, you press yeah, yeah. a button with the right timing, then it fills up that first time. So you're basically recovering your stamina twice as fast. Um, yeah, it's it's incentivizing you to have rhythm with your hits, yeah, exactly. right? It's, it's kind of mm-hmm. like, yeah. and it reminds me of like mindful breathing exercises you do in actual martial arts. Um, so it's like, uh, yeah, you get into this rhythm with your with your sword combos, where you know you be like one, two, three, pulse, one, two, pulse, right. and I just think that it's cool because it it's it makes you much more uh, like mentally engaged, even when you're just recovering and to me that mm-hmm. made a big difference in like how interesting the combat felt uh compared to the souls games which i got really yeah. bored with hmm. i like the mission structure in this game too where it's not just one overworld map that links with everything else it's right. like you kind of go off on missions into these much smaller map it feels more digestible yeah because like oh, i'm gonna yeah, go to the totally. smaller map clear it out and then go back mm-hmm. although yeah you could be fooled into thinking it's it's that kind of world because that starter area is so big um, and right. it's the same thing right, in right. the sequel, where it's like, okay, well, now I'm you know, finding shortcuts through this thing, and I need to remember where this big guy is so I can tackle him when I'm stronger. And then, like, oh no, I'm just I'm jumping ahead into a much bigger world, and I, I don't, I have no interest in revisiting that earlier place. <laughs> so, yeah, it's cool yeah. because you have like the hub structure lets you like pick and choose 
your your missions a lot more than a, a Souls mm-hmm. game. So like, yeah, if you get hung up on one area, you can just kind of go back to the hub and pick another mission. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Where you have Hitori Hanzo, which is he's got to be one of the most like recognizable Japanese figures in America for probably a lot, mostly for like a lot of martial arts movies that were basically like, yeah, he's this magical figure that created an awesome sword for the lead character. Well, in Kill Bill, yes. Uh, yeah, the rest yeah. of the time, he's he's like the the archetypal Iga ninja. He's you know, yeah, he's like the president of ninjas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I once had it explained to me, like, I, I was asking, like, why are all these ninja characters named Hanzo? And somebody said, like, it'd be like naming your kid Dracula or something like that. That he's like this <laughs> fearsome, almost mythological figure in Japanese history. But, yeah. Exactly. Anyway. So, yeah, Neo is a lot of fun. But if you want a truly authentic, no-holds-barred samurai experience, there is only one place you need to go. And it is old as shit. <laughs> One cut and it's over. Two shot that motherfucker. Yeah, this is Bushido Blade. Yeah, right. Yeah. This is the best samurai game of all time. I think so. Uh, the Samurai Showdown people are going to be bad. It might, it might <laughs> well, be the I most... Think this was my reasoning for boot for booting Samurai Showdown. I'm like, we got one fighting game already. The only Samurai fighting game that matters. I, I just, yeah, uh, I'll say for the record, here... I asked all three of you guys, you want, really want to boot Samurai Showdown? You're like, yes, I hate that game. Nobody here farts <laughs> on opponents in games, which is the true way of the Samurai. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Earthquake. I feel like... The... This was first, and it could use more of a spotlight than Showdown, mm. since Showdown yeah. already has stuff going yeah. on. But, but, but in Greg's play... world, Samurai Showdown has a spotlight. <laughs> well, it's a, no. It's in Greg's a... world, it's only called Samurai Spirits. He doesn't yeah. recognize the Showdown name. <laughs> Inglorious Nippon. Yeah. We so you know. Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, also no, love Street Fighter clones, but uh, Bushido Blade, uh, a truly original fighting game concept that only got one real sequel that kind of preserved what made that game special which is one hit can kill you or can yeah. disable an arm or a leg you can be kind of dragging yourself around the battlefield and still have a chance of winning if you can land a hit that kind of lent itself to a purity of action where it's just like as as a two-player game it was unparalleled because it's like all right it's all about sizing each other up and Whoever makes the first move will probably lose because that will let their opponent see an opening, get the advantage. And it was it was fantastic. And mm-hmm. to the point where I remember like playing it at a college game night. And you remember how there were those dicks who would like watch people playing rock band or guitar and say, you know, you're not actually learning to play those instruments. And it, was, it was just yes. the same thing. Like I had something, you know, this game isn't actually teaching you how to sword fight. I'm like, no shit, it's a video game. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, um, what's wrong with people? I don't know. But if you, like, does this does this samurai game have a flight stick attachment? Because uh, odds are, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to correspond four buttons to my fighting. <laughs> I think well, in it's... the years since Bushido Blade, a lot more has been said about 
uh, like the idea of footsies in a fighting game. Hmm. Where, you know what I'm yes. talking about? Like how so <laughs> yes. much of the fighting game is is about that mind game of you know who, positioning. Every every time you throw something out there, you're taking a risk. But uh, whoever catches the other person first with that poke uh, probably has is is likely to if not win and take a big chunk. So they kind of took that to an extreme uh, before anyone else had really done that, I think, even though it had always been a big part of fighting games. Well, yeah, I think it had it. It's just like they were looking at fighting games on like this incredibly macro level that the whole public would understand that. Like, yeah. if, if you get the first jab in, you're pretty much good. We'll make a whole game where you well, can murder somebody in one hit. Yeah, and where there still weren't that. I mean, I guess we were we had seen some uh, fighting games that had like weapon based combat, but this is a particularly good fit for a game that takes the footsie thing to an extreme because it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's actually how Samurai fought. It was like you, you yeah, basically get one, hit. one strike. I yeah. mean, the most famous one now is Soul Calibur, which like a glowing fucking sharpened blade I can take nine hundred hits from. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. And that's, there's a there's a video that I just watched the other day. It came out like a week ago. Uh, it's it's this actual katana master rating a lot of pop culture things for how accurate they portray the use of of a katana uh and it's amazing because I, I wish he would have done bushido blade because i bet it would have gotten a super high rating because like yeah the stuff he emphasizes is like these swords are so sharp it is literally one hit and any fight is over and so you, you know it's just the whole fight is about like how do i stay far enough from someone so that he doesn't accidentally even nick me with that thing because mm-hmm. it's gonna take my arm <laughs> yeah. off or if you're leonardo how do i use the hilt more than the blade unless there's a rope in my well, way i think didn't this game let you, Greg, correct my pronunciation, but it let you do the thing where you, you can quickly just pull it out of the sheet. Is it the Ayajutsu? Yeah, yeah, where you yeah, literally yeah, just pull yeah, your... Yeah, you pull your sword out in one hit, and then you're done. It's like, um, I think the sequel had that. I don't think the first yeah, one Yeah, I don't, I don't know if yeah. the first one did. I've just played it just before this recording for the first time in like oh, wow. probably 20 years. Um, but uh, I didn't encounter that in the like 20 minutes that I was playing it. Yeah, I but, think uh, I, just I just I remember re- like I could not stop reading about this game because it seems so fucking crazy. Well, it's fascinating because beyond the fighting, there there was this whole story where you could like okay, first of all, it's the only fighting game where I've ever stood there in a pose and had tension waiting for someone to hit me for like longer than a second where it's just like you're kind of measuring each other up. But then you could also just straight up turn tail and run mm-hmm. and open up secret areas. Like there's all yeah. these like well, glades you can the, get to and the shit. The key thing was like that you could minimize the number of opponents you fought if you could disable your opponent's legs in that first story yeah. mission and then you just run to the other side of the map because it's like a big open quasi open world area uh yeah. and you just run from one end to the to the other and you will uh find a well and you can jump down the well and then there's like another fight that you have down in the sewers and then like okay skip ahead to the bosses now um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. The, it, it did actually have a coherent story that was kind of interesting. And like, this is one of the first games I remember where it's just like, oh, you're not, you're not really a good guy necessarily in this. The Meikyokan Dojo of the Narukagami Shinto School is really a secret society of assassins called Kage. Everyone who knew that was sworn to secrecy and not allowed to leave the compound. But one person broke the code of silence and escaped into the ruins of a deserted castle 
in search of the only way out. So, yeah, you are a defector from a school of assassins. And I think canonically in Bushido Blade 2, it establishes like that defector was uh, Black Lotus, the guy who looks like Carrie Elways in The Princess Bride, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> who speaks with an Irish accent. And he, he's not just running away. He's defecting to a rival school of assassins who are the quote unquote bad guys who might actually have the better claim to uh, to, to justice in this scenario. It's like a, a, a centuries long blood feud that they've been fighting. Ah. Interesting. How, how many people you suppose heard that voiceover and went, "Oh, it's not Legend of Cage." Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't remind me of the first twenty years of my life. <laughs> oh, the U.S. government is keeping kids in Kages. Okay, God. <laughs> I'm Nick Kage. <laughs> I'm Nick Kage. I'm a crazy ninja. Growl. <laughs> I didn't remember the character roster being such a motley crew of weird characters. Yeah. Like, there's one guy who's just Gambit. <laughs> once yeah, 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 exactly like Gambit. And and then the and I think the second one had had the Afro samurai guy, right? It, it, yeah, it, Tony it had made kind it. of that. So I was going to ask you guys when you first mentioned that archetype got brought up with with a different game. Where did that first originate? The not not the the Afro samurai, but like the sam the black samurai with the Afro thing was well, that there sixties seventies kung fu. There movies? is a historical precedent there, and I'm forgetting his name. I should probably yeah. stop and look he, it up. He also has a a cameo in Neo Undercover Brother. Oh no. Um. No, there, there was there was a black samurai who was like the uh, a, like a the slave of a Jesuit priest that uh, Nobunaga uh, got really interested in, and and he's like, I like this guy. I'm gonna make him one of my retainers. Give him to me, and uh, yeah, this guy became a samurai. Uh, Yasuke. Again, one of the first Western samurai. Yasuke. Yes, yeah. Yasuke. Thank you. But uh, yeah, he was. Uh, that it's a pretty cool story, and it's it's interesting that that happened at one point. Um, but he, he, I don't know how much that is actually, those, those are actually based on him. Probably the idea is, but it's probably since Maybe these the characters haircut. all have gigantic afros, uh, probably a safe yeah. bet. It's, it's more like sixties, seventies ideas about black people in Japan. I don't know. Probably. Yeah. 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 <laughs> actually, I translated the afro. That's a nice way of saying that, Michael. <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying? I, I said I translated the Afro Samurai manga back in the day. Oh, really? But oh, really? I, I never see it in stores. I think it probably had a, a pretty small print run. See, but that was but also a pretty find good it. game. Um, and yeah, it, they did the, the Metal Gear Rising thing before Metal yeah, Gear Rising. Where you could kind of choose a the plane slice to, to slice dynamic, on. Like, yeah. oh, that was so much fun. Yeah. Uh, and, and I guess the sequel was so bad that they pulled it from digital storefronts and it is impossible to get. Oh yeah, that was one of those that. weird ones. Wow, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Like within within two weeks of release, I think they just pulled it and apologized. Oh my god. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Kind of sad. The publisher, I think, was yeah. like, "Sorry, we should not have put this out. No, we and, shouldn't uh, have. Yeah. We should have just canceled it. It's canceled now. <laughs> so yeah, whoever yeah. got that, I guess you're lucky. You know, Bush bringing it back to Bushido Blade. Yeah, I just remembered you. today that that was the first game. Where I, because I had just started studying Japanese right around the time I got that game, mm -hmm. and that was the first time where I had heard a word in a game in Japanese, looked it up in my textbook that I had, just learned what it meant from the textbook, 
and then was like, oh, I now know what they said in the game. And that experience was so gratifying, just that one little word. I think that was what like propelled me huh. into the year 2020. It's the one we were talking about earlier with the book, right? Like Bushido is the way of the sa- – it's their moral code, right, that's supposed to guide samurai. Bushido? Bushido, Bushido. is – yes, yeah, it's, it's like the, – yeah, the broad term. The, yeah, the way of yeah. the samurai, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, no, the word that I looked up was, it was, it was from a cutscene. He says, hajimete, blah, 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 hajimete, <laughs> coincidentally, it means for the first time, so. Huh. Ah, neat. The first word you looked up was for the first time. Yeah. Huh? Hmm. Nice. Funny. Nice. Uh, yeah, I also liked, uh, you were talking about one of those guys is straight up gambit. They all have alternate costumes, I think, depending on uh. which mode you're playing in. I think in, in, depending on verses or story. So I think that guy might, if in the regular story mode, he might just be like an old man in a bathrobe. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice. In a, in a very nice. loose kimono, I should say, but it looks exactly like a bathrobe. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, just like that. I think there were seven original combatants, and that, that list grew to quite something quite a bit larger in the sequel. But uh, speaking of quite a bit larger, I think one of my favorite things about this game was the rather infamous slash mode and hearing this dozens of times in a row <laughs> you know what that ninja's saying as he dies like something makateka it sounds like ma- wait can you it sounds like makaseta ato wa makaseta it means like uh, it's up to you it's up to you now like I'm leaving oh okay Oh shit! But yeah, that was I, that was pretty I cool. Hey, Macarena, like, that was weird. You'd, you'd slice one down, and then another one would almost instantly appear, and so you you had to oh, get yeah. through 100 kills, and if you managed to get to 100 kills, you would unlock the uh, one of the bosses to play as Schwarzakatze, who's like this German guy with a pistol, which is blatantly unfair, <laughs> makes him the toughest boss in the game, and you can play as him, and for whatever reason, I was convinced that you had to make it through all of slash mode without getting hit once. So I never did it because I would oh always God. get hit at least once and then just give up and start over. I think I did it and it was hard as shit. Mm-hmm. Even then it's, it's ridiculously yeah. hard and it got very, very stressful up toward the seventies. You're like, okay, I got to get through 30 more guys oh without God. getting hit. Oh fuck. And it, it was time consuming too. Cause even though they're one hit kills, it's like, yeah, yeah. you're still there for several minutes. There's an argument for There's playing no on an emulator with save states or something. Yeah, <laughs> Actually, does the PlayStation classic go. have save states? Cause that would be, that would be, oh, that'd be able cool. to hack them in. Mm-hmm. Well, the other minis do. So probably, yeah, probably. But, but um, anyway, that, that is our top five samurai games, man. We got a lot of mileage out of this, I guess. Yeah. Hell yeah. But, uh, Big topic. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any we forgot? Uh, Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, nin- well known samurai uh, game, yeah. Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. Wrath of Black Manta. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I believe it's another one. I feel like Neo is kind of, like, might as well be a, a samurai game, especially because yeah. you fight so many samurai in it. And you're, like, you're still a retainer to a lord. I don't really mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Yeah, he he does use the samurai fighting styles like right off the bat, even when he's just washed yeah. up on shore. 
Um, and and yeah, the the sequel is definitely a samurai fighting game. You create your own character who is presumably Japanese. And uh, oh, wait, did I say Neo? Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah you I, said I meant, Neo. I meant Sekiro. I'm sorry. Uh, yes. Oh yes, Sekiro. Yeah, the fighting Sekiro. style is definitely more samurai-ish, even though I think he's he's a he's a ninja. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, we we never really did talk about the difference. We didn't, there. <laughs> uh, like, because again, I don't want to be a racist, but I have been willfully ignorant my whole life and using ninja, ronin, and samurai inter- interchangeably for like oh, they the are first very thirty different. years of my life. I know, I know now, yeah. but like in the days of internet forums, I did not. Hmm. It also occurred to me that like seeing scenes of like. knowing what I know now about samurai, like seeing these scenes of like, they're all charging into battle with their katanas drawn would be kind of like if you were seeing people charging into desert storm and like, it's just an entire platoon charging with their pistols. Cause like the katana was like a sidearm. Really? It was, it was only for like when you'd get really close, like they, they'd rely more on like bows and spears and, you know, more distance. Well, and then, then eventually firearms, right? Like they would yes. use like blunderbusses oh, yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what, why, what made Nobunaga so powerful. Mm-hmm. So he had the guns, man. Yeah. There, I mean, this is totally the Westerners interpretation, but my understanding is, uh, samurai are more like, think of them more like knights, whereas ninjas are more like rogues, like, like, a, you know, like they were more sneaky assassin types. Right. And, yeah. and the fighting style very much reflected that like ninjas are about surprise attacks and assassination and mm-hmm. samurai were more like, I'm going to do the old war thing of making you n- known that I'm about to attack you. Yeah. Prepare yourself. That's... Prepare yourself, Alexander Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. The, the samurai were always very much about like, ah, we fight from the front and we we attack honorably or we die. And the ninja. And my, my understanding is this new game. He he struggles with that a lot. <laughs> like <laughs> like he basically has guilt over uh, the fact that he's not well, always honorable. It's kind of like I, I got the sense early on. It's like so. Is this a story about like? a samurai who becomes the first ninja kind of thing that he learns to strike from the shadows and ha- have this like one man guerrilla war because that's, mm-hmm. that's another thing that ninjas were fighters, but not always. And like with the, the idea of them as these black clad figures kind of comes from the way that they were depicted in, I think, uh, Kabuki or, uh, other, other plays like that. They, you know, they would just like jump out of the shadows dressed like stagehands but then the, the mm. truth of it was that, like, well, they were they were like spies. They would blend in with the, the local populace and try to look like farmers or something, you know, very unthreatening so that they could get close yeah. to important people. And right. Yeah. And a lot of their weapons were just adapted common, yes. common like tools that farmers mm-hmm. would use, whereas the samurai had those full on badass suits of armor with like demon faces and shit, yep, like yep. big antlers yeah. and shit. Yeah. Fantastic. I saw, I saw the last samurai. I know what's up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I unabashedly love that movie and I know it's problematic and wrong. Mm. And yet I, but also that video I was describing that guy gave Tom Cruise's like fighting style high marks. He's like, yeah, you can tell this guy trained for years to learn these techniques. Cause he's swinging a katana the way you're supposed to. And I'm like, yeah, it sounds like Tom Cruise batshit yeah. insane going all in on learning how to do something. Yeah, sure. That he'll never need to, to do again in his life. <laughs> like, you should have seen how he rode the plane to Japan. <laughs> Just clung to the outside. <laughs> I understood that reference. Uh, 
power. Rogue Nation slam. <laughs> well, maybe he flew it, Mr. Top Gun. You know, yeah. he learned how to fly and That's all that true. shit. Well, he went to pilot school and learned how to pilot a 747. <laughs> Why not? Um, but anyway, that has been our top five. On that note, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some stuff we have had a chance to play and uh, some news and a bunch of other stuff. So stay tuned. Samurai, Samurai, did you ever play? Get scratching. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. So Disney has said they they want to retheme uh Splash Mountain to be Princess and the Frog. Uh, instead of the Song of the South theme, and and, and I'm totally get it, and I'm I'm all for it. And the people that are like, "Oh my God, you can't, you're, you're changing this thing." It was, and by the way, all of those animals used to be on America's Singing right. before they were on that none of the riot, so. almost also half. everything at Disneyland is like old as shit. It should be new <laughs> and interesting. <laughs> it's time for a change. Come on, something yeah. else. Yeah, I think well, I, I, I mean nothing else will always have that Ernest special. I would be much more sad about Splash Mountain's retheming if it wasn't an excellent choice. I don't know if 10 11 year old movie counts as something new Michael but like it's like it's already set in New Orleans. It totally makes sense. I remember going on that ride for like the first time in like the early 2000s that was my first time and I was like wow I didn't know there were all these animals and Song of the South this movie must be crazy I'm like no they they cannibalized an old ride and like threw all that shit in there to weirdly makes Song of the South look like it was much more raucous and big than it was. There are yeah, it, they're, that's they're like, what's weird that I mean it was never a big movie. It's like uh God, what's a what's a Disney movie Brother Bear. It'd be like putting out an attraction <laughs> theme around Brother Bear. Get bonus time, a weekly uncensored and commercial free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just five dollars on patreon.com slash laser time. And welcome back to our final segment where we have so much to talk about in the segment that is, of course, signaled by me delaying a bunch and hitting a button. Ghosts of Tsushima is a game that none of us have played because it's not out yet as of this recording, but it will be out by the time you're listening to this. And if you're listening to us instead of playing it, God bless you. We like you. You're part of the cool person's club. I mean, I have always said my my point of bliss is a game with good combat that I can listen to a podcast and tear mm. through. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. my favorite thing in the universe. You know what my favorite thing in the universe is, Michael? Maps with lots of little objectives all oh, over yeah. them. Baby. I want the highlights magazine of video games. Yeah. <laughs> lots of brainless activities to check off. One of the yep. stranger reviews that I read of, or stranger review quotes that I saw of this was somebody saying. Uh, if you do all the side stuff, then 
you won't you'll, you'll be overpowered for most of the game and you won't have anything to do other than the main quest in the end game so you should uh try to approach these like just just sort of ration them out to yourself it's like that's weird i was just about to say that sounds like every time i play an assassin's creed game and it sounds fucking right. wonderful that's yeah. what i that's why i do the side content stupid yeah, i want to be overpowered yeah <laughs> i, I want to i want to yell at someone who works at ubisoft but i don't know one fuck michael no you uh, don't no but uh <laughs> like can you just create a game called outpost where I just attack outposts. <laughs> like, I don't want anything else. I don't want to capture that's relics ghost, or treasure. Like, I just Boy, do I got a game outposts. for you. Far Cry New Dawn. Because mm-hmm. the, the outposts level up and you got to reattack yeah, them Yeah, you can reset times. them. Yeah. I mean, glorious. Ghost Recon glorious. Wildlands is exactly that. Yeah, yeah. To a certain extent, yeah. Um, and, and also Breakpoint has a lot of those where... It, like, yeah. but it, it, it's it's not quite the same where like you in is in Far Cry is like here's an outpost go kill everyone now you own the outpost like you don't That's get to true. That's own true. it's funny so you guys much. bring up Ubisoft games because this game does keep getting compared to a lot of Ubisoft tropes mm-hmm. but again I'm totally okay with that yeah like me too. I like the that Ubisoft I hey, I like climbing towers and revealing map objectives and I feel like Ubisoft's gotten away from that because people mm-hmm. made fun of them for so long and it's like fucking no and, I, and I then Breath like of the Wild that. came along and, and everybody's like yeah Breath of the Wild climbing towers oh my god so awesome we had a really uh, high and drunk deep Quentin Tarantino conversation after a, gr- a group socially distanced viewing of Once Upon a Time in America and it's just like in these movies these movies work because you're aware of genre tropes hmm yeah. And and like when when a game presents that and like I don't know I have, I have a very weird relationship with Far Cry, like Far Cry wears its genre trope on its sleeve and like we don't care how realistic you think this is, we have a realistic story but like you can progress in any way you want. That's another thing that people are saying about this game. They're kind of criticizing it because it does fall into so many of the samurai tropes. Mm-hmm. But I think Cat Bailey said it best. She's like. This is my junk food game of the year. And that's kind of where I'm at with it is like, I like that shit. Like, again, I hmm. revealed yeah. last segment. I like The Last Samurai. Right. I, and I'm okay with tropes. Like, I fucking love that. And I'm down that. with, uh, like, like, Sucker Punch doesn't get enough credit as a, a developer. Mm-hmm. They've never made a bad game. Slight Cooper, as baby. Tell. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Infamous, yeah. I thought, was a 7 out of 10, but the sequels were great. Yeah, I wasn't big on Infamous. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a superhero game where you always feel weak. Yeah, like you're being <laughs> shot at constantly. You yeah. need to play that Halloween DLC they re- they released where you can fly around the map as a vampire. Yeah, that shit was that's infamous that sounds too. better. Just, it does yeah, sound better. Slightly better game, I think. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 very excited for this. It sounds like exactly my shit. Um, mm-hmm. And and yeah, it says something that like some of the reviews I read is just like, can we have fewer open world games? It's like, why are you reviewing an open world game then if you dislike them so much? No, it's this looks. Hey, I want a junk food game right now that's going to mm-hmm. eat up forty to fifty hours of my time yeah. with both little side quests and and this thing looks fucking beautiful. And there's the is it Kurosawa? Am I saying that name right? Where they, there's that mode where you can go black and white to yes. look like one of those old samurai flicks mm-hmm. if you want. Like fucking mm-hmm. a dude, those let's do old it. Old samurai flicks. I wish you were dead, man. <laughs> <laughs> Why? But. You know, it is. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima was made in Seattle. You know what else was made in Seattle? Garuga Mess! Oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> that ad. <laughs> but yeah, very much looking forward to this. Um, 
But if you want a big, sprawling adventure that you can play right now on Switch, uh, Deadly Premonition 2 came out on Friday. Uh, now you're talking. Last Friday. And uh, <laughs> I am, I've been playing it, and I really do like it so far. Uh, uh-huh. It sort of does the opposite thing of, like, remember when Deadly Premonition 1 opened with, like, this shooting level, and it took a while for the plot to get going. This one starts out maybe with almost too much talking. Like, the first two hours of the game is just conversations. Yeah. And uh, and it takes a while to get to the exploration, which you do on a skateboard, by the way. Yep. You've and, seen a lot of skateboard yeah. videos going around. And I've been I've been playing this while also starting to binge Twin Peaks again. And obviously... The uh, the main character Francis York Morgan is based very heavily on Agent Dale Cooper from from Twin Peaks to the point mm. where they kind of share this eccentric delight in the mundane. It's <laughs> a get, damn good coffee. Yeah, get, this pie is transcendent. Very excited over strange things, and uh, I like everything you know. You need to know about this game is encapsulated in a conversation that you have very early on to a chef at a hotel where you're staying, uh, who's coming out to talk to you about your breakfast. And one of the questions you can ask is what do you know about new Orleans? And I want to repeat again, this is the dialogue that follows when you ask the question, what do you know about new Orleans? Live and let die angel heart and the Pelican Brief. Right? Nine out of ten people will name those titles when you ask them to think of a film set in New Orleans. They're all excellent movies, but to me, they lack realism. Due to my line of work, I have a tendency to think deeply about... What's your point? Cat people. That's my point. Cat people. 1982, directed by Paul Schrader. The crowning achievement of Nastasia Kinski, the ultimate muse of the 80s. The most vital element of that movie is the reality it depicts. Leopards who turn into humans have intercourse with humans and turn back into leopards. Then they can only turn back into humans again if they mutilate their lovers. I was awestruck by the sheer reality of it all. Understand? I'm talking about hyper-realism. After watching it, I felt like I just had to experience the world of cat people for myself. That's why I decided to visit New Orleans. Uh, okay. Another vital element of cat people is the presence of Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell from Blue Thunder. Talk about a masterpiece. Listen carefully, David. Only an amateur would call A Clockwork Orange his best movie. His best movies are Cat People and Blue Thunder. Period. You need to remember this, because it's the truth. Mm, whatever you say, mister. So, uh, what's your point again? Never mind, don't worry about it. I already covered all the important parts. <laughs> I mean, I, I would have just said Gambit and Beignets myself. Mm. You would have, but you're not Francis York Morgan, so you won't <laughs> oh. launch into a nearly two-minute tirade about the 1982 film Cat People. I mean... Mm-hmm. Hyper-realism, Michael. This is Hyper-realism. amazing, but it's also like... It's that it's that Suda fifty one like reference wank fest thing. Yeah, maybe yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. that kind of typifies Swery's work though, and it's it does. It's just the, sort the of weird. Applaud, those two. <laughs> but it, like the this, the first one kind of struck a similar chord for me, in that like one of the 
early drives that you take, he just starts talking to uh, Zach, his apparent imaginary friend, about uh, Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins. And oh, just best a- best Asian performance I've ever seen. <laughs> this goes on and on about that for like two minutes. But that, that's just a, the weird thing. Like when we really, I, I don't want to seem uncool. I rarely do. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about Deadly Premonition. All of its highlights are things I hate in games. <laughs> the dialogue, reference long dialogue, and, for the sake of long reference dialogue, dropping. needless fucking missions, and I, I. I I, I, I played it. I, huh? Define needless. Define. Well, yeah, uh, we're playing a video game. <laughs> it, it, this game seems intolerable to me. I'm sorry. I have no patience for this. A, I've told you guys before, I hate shit that's weird for weirdness sake. I'm not a mm. Twin Peaks fan. No, I, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not there. I love yeah. David Lynch, and I love everything he's ever done. But, like, but, but this, this in general seems, I, like, like, unapproachable for me like i don't want to touch this it seems like a poor man's david lynch to me it's like it's like their version of riffing on david lynch and it's like you're not did as you good ever see that anything masters. tommy was so made after the room oh god huh? when, uh, when, when people uh, hired him to make you know, shit I'm not yeah, but, but then it was like intentionally bad and it was awful like unwatchable yeah. like boring yeah, and, and after after d4 i had my thoughts and then i watched some shit of this and like Dude, I don't know. I think we're like, I think we're just hiring a mentally ill person to make games. <laughs> like, like well, there well, is, yeah, there is sort of a feeling of like, okay, they're trying. Like, the first thing was like this weird, uh, like happy accident, and the second thing is them trying to recapture, right, that right. lightning. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, without having even played the first one and not knowing much about the second, so my opinion isn't really worth much. But that's the that's the vibe I get just off the bat from like what I'm hearing. And yes, yeah. What I the the diagnosis happen. people get from Deadly Premonition, I assure you, from someone who has sent it and played it, that was not what the writer's intention was. It was not to be so weird and surreal. That was meant to be a triple A game. Hmm. You mean the with a coherent yeah, yeah, yeah. storyline, yeah, yeah. and it failed miserably. Yeah, and then, and then the second like, one, they're they're leaning into like, yeah, it, it it feels like how could the second one not be a little try hard because it's like, yeah, yeah we're trying to reproduce the first one, which mm-hmm. even though this is a prequel to the first one, so you get a slightly younger Francis York <laughs> Morgan, I mean, and, and so you yes, know they take the story the seriously. It is, <laughs> you know, the someone someone was trying to make the wrong kind of game, and he accidentally made something great for the wrong reasons and then this is a refined it's like this is him realizing what he's good at i was i was just charmed by the fact that like one in the first things he says in the game is it's like oh yeah i was just coming down here for vacation and uh my car got stolen while i was pulled over at a rest stop and uh they left me this skateboard in its place so i just rode it for 20 miles and learned how to ride it and like, 20 miles something to ride a skateboard like <laughs> Like, after 10 miles, I started to learn some tricks. So, Michael, you've been playing. It's Switch exclusive, bit. isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. I heard performance is pretty bad. Have they, have they patched that where no, it's better? No, and I think there were no plans to. Um, but it is it is kind of choppy. It feels like it's running maybe like 20, 24 frames a second, something like that. Oof. Yeah, the pa- patching of frame rate seems like a thing they should do. It's a very quirky, silly game. Um, 
So far, so good. I don't know. I'm not very far into it. I mean, my, more my brand of quirky silly is a game that came to PC this week, which is Death Stranding. Ah, yes. There we go. Quirky silly and highly polished. Yes. I got nothing but love yes. for Death Stranding. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Sort of the same, I'm sort of in the same way. What I hear is the PC version is it looks amazing. Uh, every yeah, you know that game looked really like good on PS4. RTX so. card and yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, yeah, looks pretty. But pick that up if you did not. I mean, if you don't want a PS4, play it. Thirty twenty ten last week, um, we talked about Inception. Sort of the idea that Warner Brothers would give uh, Christopher Nolan. $120 million to make his independent movie idea. That will never ever happen again. So what Kojima has done with, with Death Stranding, I don't see that ever ever happening again. I mean, it, I think it's sold alright, but yeah. th- I mean, isn't Tenet coming? So they kind of did that again with Christopher Nolan? They gave him money to... Uh, no, they, they continue to, because his his name means something, but like... And Kojima's does as well. Yeah, But I... I I, I imagine this is a one-time thing with Sony. I don't think they'll exclusively publish his game well, as an exclusive again. I wondered about that. All those rumors about like, oh, they're they're trying to get Silent Hill from Konami, Konami. and like yeah. whether that's true or not, I I could see something like like I could see an ongoing partnership where there's like, you know, keep doing your Kojima thing because you still occupy this this space. In we the all game, have to talk games about industry, it. and we want a piece of that. Yeah, yeah. but but it's also he's in a very precarious position because all it takes is one failure. You know, like if yeah. you're just riding your reputation, and every, and the games just happen to keep being I, good and selling. I don't well. know that Death Stranding isn't a failure. Like oh, um, initial sales were really strong. People who review version. games and are oh. given them for free reviewed them reviewed the game very highly and like everyone I've talked to who's young fucking hates this game really yes I, I, well, I'm just speaking in terms of sales it was not a failure it, it sold really well well on Kojima but like I don't know that that works again mm-hmm. if you make everyone's like why was this a fucking UPS simulator for like like you were learning the world in weird ways god damn it I like it I like yeah. it I, I think it's amazing um, but, well, but but maybe it's maybe that's what Kojima is now is he he is uh, like the ultimate uh, figurehead f- within gaming for a specific a generation span. Yeah. You know what I mean? And young yeah. young people don't get it because they don't have the same baggage is the wrong word, but like they they don't have the same nostalgia, I guess for yeah. for the Kojima games of yore to, to give them that good faith in what he's doing now. Or the, 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 the exhilaration I feel when I, I, I play something highly polished that is fucking weird. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. 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 We were talking about Swery and Suda. Like those guys attended the school of Kojima and got some of the weirdness stuff from him. They, yeah. they just don't create experiences that are as polished because they, they aren't given the same budgets, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a strange thing to think about that Sony put their money behind. Have you played Death Stranding? Like, like it's so strange to it's think the about. Weirdest <laughs> thing. But, he, but that you is know what he's that turning is... out to be. 
he's turning out to be this weird futurist who ends up being right, and it's terrifying, yeah. like, the shit he like, predicts. Like, uh, Death Stranding seemed very fanciful in 2019 when I played it. Now it's almost uncomfortably <laughs> yeah. realistic. Yeah. I, I wrote about it, it's that hard to length, play now. How, like, you know, I missed that. I, it took me a few months to to feel financially stable enough to, like, buy games again. And by the time mm-hmm. I got around to Death Stranding, we were in the shit. Mm-hmm. And I was like grateful for it because I was like, this completely changes the experience. And it was just a matter of a few months where, like, yeah. we are living what the the characters in this game are living more or less. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll probably talk about it in end of the year stuff. But like, I love few shows more than I love Brockmire, mm-hmm. the Hank Azaria show where he plays an aging baseball. Mm-hmm. The, the show skips ahead ten years when, and they did this in March. Where the show, where the show skips ahead ten years, and we've also come to a f- a virus that gives us all fevers, and most of us are dead. It's hard to watch. <laughs> it's, no shit. It's it's very hard to watch. It was a, f- it's outlandishly funny that they predicted exactly right. what we're going through. Yeah, but it's uh, it, it's difficult to find comedy in any of that, or find or find uh, grace or or. Uh, a re- reprieve from any of that. I'm just pissed off because, like, you know, I grew up playing Shadowrun. We were all supposed to get this virus and then develop magical powers and yeah, turn into become, elves and trolls and yeah. shit. This is I wanted to up. be an orc, man. Yeah. Well, let's watch this play out. Hold on. You'd be an amazing orc, Michael. You got the orc thing going. You know? Let this play out. My girlfriend has O positive blood and read one article of, like, you have automatic antibodies to this. You are the fucking... <laughs> You are the Keanu Reeves of the coronavirus. I'm like, bitch, you need to calm down. Uh, <laughs> now tell us about uh, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon 2. I know you played that, oh, man. man. Oh, yeah. Am I, am I the only one who's played it? I've played yeah, it. Yeah, but I, I bought it day one. I just haven't gotten around to it I'm, yet. I'm pretty far in it. So I, I think I was voicing some frustrations to you, Michael and Chris, over this over this week. Um, it's, it's more of that game, of the first game. But I think they might... It, it's it feels a lot more punishing than the first game. So the first game wasn't easy. Don't get me wrong. It's it's still you know supposed to be like Castlevania three. I don't know. Like that, it just felt like the checkpoints were more fair in that first one. Um, this one, I'm not enjoying playing as much as I am the first one. It's still very much you know similar game type. It's amazing what they're able to how they're able to recreate like recreate the feel of those games. Um, I'm pretty far in and I, I like it and definitely for 15 bucks, just go pick it up if you like retro games or if you like that style of game. But I, I, I would say it's not as good as the first curse of the moon. So if you haven't played that one, get that one first. And then maybe mm. if you really like that one, go for this one. I think, I think that's a tough thing to recapture, especially when we talk about, um, uh, video game figureheads at the, mm-hmm. at the head of a genre. Yeah. Um, I don't think you can do Curse of the Moon again. It's you know part of it is is some of the new characters they give some are really cool. Uh, like my favorite new character is the guy he has a he has a gun and so you yeah. can you can kind of like pick people off from across the screen. But his, the, the attacks are very weak, so you have to like stand there and pick people off and hope uh, that one of those fucking Medusa heads doesn't hit you and it's flying it's by. The Bloodborne Shield. But but one of the new characters is not. She's the spear person. Um, she's not great, but she's like a healer, which is really cool. Like she's the only one that gets a special power that it plants this 
this seed that it's a flower that 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 spawns a heart or if anyone in your party has died she can res the whole party and with recharge like a special all of your one health use with, with like a special one use find. yeah power yeah. up so she's like I've mostly been using her as a healer she's the one though that does the ducktails thing where she can bounce on top of of enemies or lamps with the spear if it's pointed down but mm-hmm. they don't they don't give you that many uses for her I yet. Mean, there are puzzles like early on at least where like Okay, there's like a zigzag pattern of lanterns, and the only way that you can get up there and hit the top yes. one is if you're bouncing and you hit each of them perfectly. And which I can is tell, tough. That, like, in playing through the early levels, even I could tell, oh, I'm supposed to come back here once I unlock all the characters because there's definitely areas I can't get to until I get like a flying character. Mm-hmm. And, and and I know there was that one flying character from the first one, so it's like, okay, I'll probably get him. Apparently, God, what was I telling you guys? It's like. How many total characters are in this? Like twelve or some shit like that. By the time you unlock all of them, it, it's I a lot. It was like seven, wasn't it? It's it's a yeah. It might be like seven. It's like the but, the, the three new ones plus the four from the previous game. It, but like the previous game just had four, which felt very manageable. Seven feels like like I think I currently have four right now. One of which, one of my favorite new characters, is a dog in a mech. Which mm. why wouldn't you oh, do yeah. a dog in a mech? Not just but, any dog, but a corgi. Mech. Yeah, he's a corgi and a mech, and the mech is really Classic cool in archetype. that he, he doesn't have any special <laughs> weapons, but his special power gives him invulnerability. And so there's there's lots of parts where it's like, hey, if I'm going through a tough part where a lot of the flying enemies are hitting me, I'm just going to activate that. It'll burn down my hearts, and I can get mm. through kind of any any area. He also has kind of a jetpack that will help him float across like gaps and stuff. So I, I don't know. I, I like some of the new stuff. I dislike others. Again, it's I just think it's like, it, let's say I rated the first one, let's say a 9 out of 10. This one's like, you know, uh, high 7s, low 8 type territory. It's still good, but not as much as that first one is really special. I feel, Well, like, I was totally tuned out of the Kickstarter stuff. I think I was yeah. sore about the uh, Mighty Number no. 9 thing. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> Understandable. And uh, and then bigger. Curse of the Moon just dropped. And because I hadn't been paying any, paying any attention to the bloodstain thing it, it just seemed completely out of nowhere and i remember it being like you know way cheaper than any digital game had been in like 10 years and then yeah and it was really good hearing that the yeah. second one isn't quite as good but it does cost more it's kind of a bummer but like i don't know like i just love i love inti creates and i don't think that they get uh their due praise yeah, for shepherding the entire nostalgia-based. Well, yeah, uh, and I got kind of fed up with the nostalgia, like in the in like the late aughts, early 2010s. Like I feel like the digital scene was full of like these retro throwbacks. It still kind of is, but like it was it was it felt like more of a fad at the time. But I feel like right. uh, not a lot of people were doing it in a thoughtful way that that like pushed that style forward. Mm-hmm. And to me, it felt like there was a lot of room to improve on, you know, uh, the retro style. I can't think of a better way to describe it. Um, And like stuff like Mega Man 9 seemed like it was it it was totally content to just preserve the status quo and even scale or like, uh, you know, undo some of the advances that the classic Mega Man games had had. Uh, whereas I always felt like, well, that series got really stale because they didn't evolve it enough in even basic quality of life ways. Mm. Um, but NT Creates 
is very thoughtfully like they're very good at that style but they're also very thoughtful about um like evolving those like the blaster master remake oh, or yeah, its sequel yeah. yeah fucking amazing yeah especially the sequel. yeah yeah they're they they definitely are masters of adhering to like the original gameplay of those games um and and sometimes it's like you just got to be in the right mood for it like this is not a shovel yeah. knight which is like a retro game that actually does a lot of stuff that you could never do back in retro game things like like this feels like Castlevania three, um, but it's it's I don't know. Like uh, maybe they're justifying charging more because of the more characters thing. Because in terms of the number of levels, at least from what I can see from the overworld map, it looks to be about the same length as the last game. So yeah, I mean honestly, I feel like what if it was ten bucks, even at ten bucks, I feel like most fans were like, "Ooh, you could have charged more." You know, <laughs> so yeah. like they yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like they could have just charged more because they realized they could. Yeah. Um, ironically, they also are the ones who made Mega Man Nine, but I, th- right. I think Capcom was calling <laughs> the shots. <laughs> uh, also, out this week, a game called Ooblets on uh, Xbox that uh, you oh, can yeah, get a, yeah, yeah. a trial oh. version of, and it's basically uh, I've, I've played very little of it, but the impression I got is like Pokemon plus Harvest Moon. Uh, but very cute and silly and sort of like, everything's half-assed, yay! Not not like in game design, <laughs> but the way the characters behave. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah. okay. Um, but speaking De- deliberately of... Deliberately boxy characters, yes. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Harvest Moon, Story of Seasons, Friends of Mineral Town remakes the uh, Game Boy Advance Harvest Moon Friends of Mineral Town mm-hmm. uh, on Switch and PC, so... Uh, that's a thing you yeah, can pick up. Yeah, explain the name thing to me, because wasn't there a Harvest Moon story of seasons yes. at one point? Well, no, so well they... there was there was Harvest Moon, Friends of Mineral Town. But yeah. at some point, uh, is it Natsume, the, the U.S. Mm-hmm. publisher, yes. acquired the rights to the Harvest Moon name and started putting out their own games under that name. But the original developers, uh, you know, they... they they're still putting out games in the series that was renamed Harvest Moon. Ah, okay, so that gotcha, series gotcha. became Story of Seasons in the U.S. I see. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was telling you, Michael, I was like, I don't know that I need to play this because Stardew Valley is it heavily inspired by this particular version of Harvest Moon. And so I'm like, I feel like I've maybe played this game already because I played hundreds of hours of stardew valley <laughs> i mean you've like, played a very wow. similar game to be sure but yeah yeah, yeah but it's so uh, i don't know um the other one that that uh is a free update if you own super hot mm-hmm. but is also i think a standalone thing is is they released uh, super hot mind control delete and i think they were it was like literally they put super hot on sale this week too so you could get that get that for ten dollars and if you get it you'll get this new thing but apparently it's it's just kind of like an expansion pack to super hot so more super hot um, okay, cool. but i but i've heard like maybe done like procedurally so it's not hmm. like such crafted levels i don't know it's not technically we can't technically get our hands on it yet so um, once once i do i will probably have more thoughts on it next week cuz I, yep. I double checked i'm like shit i'm going to download my copy of super hot and get ready for this new update same with paper mario and the origami king yes origami um yeah, have you guys seen some of the the reactions to this thing yet? Yeah, sounds like I won't play it. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's not the Thousand Year Door uh, version that we a lot of fans were hoping for. It's it's why that uh, crossover between the Paper Jam was the was the jam. Hmm. 
Because Paper Jam, uh, the, 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 the Mario and Luigi series took the active time battles that were interesting in yep. Paper Mario. Yep. And uh, they, they left, well, whatever you can come up with is the coolest thing about Paper Mario. And the last two games in the series, I think, have been pretty bad. Yeah, they, they tried to make them more action-oriented games, which kind of they started going down that road in Super Paper Mario. But I really still enjoyed Super Paper Mario. I did not enjoy the last two Paper Mario. Paper, Paper Mario is the sequel to Mario RPG, one of the best RPGs I've ever played. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And they've abandoned that entirely since the Wii and I, I don't know. When, what was it? Uh, Sticker Star? was there? What were the other? That's the one of the worst versions of Paper Mario I've, yeah. I've played my entire life. Oh. That game sucks. Hmm. In like, in like, is this a mobile version where I have to buy things because I can't do basic shit? Yeah, every every power you needed a sticker for, right? It was bullshit. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah. It was yeah, the yeah, worst. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the worst games I've ever played. Oh. And then, and then the other one was Color Splash, which was the Wii U game. Which I didn't play a lot of, no. You, you've so just reminded me, the, the Pokemon battle aspect of Ooblets is that they have dance battles, and you get cards that uh, each represent different dance moves that you can unleash. So it's, an, it's a unique and nonviolent take on the genre. Anyway, sorry, continue. No worries. So yeah, I, it, what I've heard is this new Paper Mario, it has its own unique combat system, so it's doing more maybe than Color Splash or um, uh, fucking Paper Jam or, or, or those, but it's not... It's not the turn-based shit that basically, yeah, the problem is Mario and Luigi games took over that stuff and that studio went out of business and we really need Nintendo to fucking start making Mario and Luigi games again because those games were amazing yes. and I loved all of them and fuck off, make Mario and Luigi games, please. It's been two years since the last remake, I think. I wanted fucking turn-based combat where a turtle shoots a shell at me and I have to time a button press properly to hit the shell back at them and mm-hmm. I can do it ten times in a row and do mega damage and fuck yes. Yes. Please. I did, yeah, I only played the second one the, on the DS. And inside Story? Bowser's Inside no, no, Story? No, 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 I think that was the third one. Hmm. Uh, the other one. Uh, Brothers in Time or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah, the yeah, one. Yeah. Partners in Time. Partners in Time. And, yeah, I just remember thinking that, because I hated RPGs. I still kind of do, uh, but like just I'm adding that little bit of active, uh, you know, keeping you in the moment, even though it's turn-based, that was enough to make me like hmm. dig Putting it. Putting the A in the ATB. For me, it was how do you how do you Marioize an RPG? Oh, give it some platforming elements. Make make me yeah. time button presses at the right time, and I'll do cool shit. You know. Yeah, and I remember the localization having a lot of character. And I was used to yes. localizations having no character, and that being like a major problem with localization. Mm. Uh, yep, this was because yeah. this was like 2006. Um, yep. And so that that was the first game that soli- like put Nintendo in my head as like the the ones to look to for localization quality. Yep. Yep. I still I think shortles. they are. I have now they have a cool treehouse. Hmm. I know. <laughs> I know. Too, where, where all <laughs> yeah, of our friends go to die I, I really and never be talked to I again. For, but I don't know how I would. I know, They've literally Stop. named themselves after a place that you have to like be an exclusive club to get inside. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. you have to be invited into like by like a fellow friend who won't, who doesn't like women or a pedophile. Oh God, <laughs> Jesus! Oh, so they have a, true, they got true. A bit of a Tree houses are are fucking canceled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I said it. It's the Nintendo No Homers Club. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. You'll hear it. Are you ready to move on to news? Sure. Hey guys, you know that Uncharted movie that we kept saying would never happen? Man, well, it's, it's happening. Um, it, they started filming, uh, and Spider-Man posted pictures. It seems of, odd of, they're filming now, but okay. Yeah, he posted pictures of himself on the set. Um, Spider-Man, as we all know, played by Tobey Maguire. It's Tobey Maguire in uh, Uncharted. No, um, mm-hmm. Tom Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Oh, yeah. Pleasantville's Tom Holland? It's looking like... This game's coming out uh, in July 2021, assuming they can keep filming and not all get coronavirus. Good luck with Um, that. It's being directed by Ruben Fleischer, who is the sixth, or no, I'm sorry, seventh, seventh director on the project since 2011. Remember when it was going to be David O. Russell? Yeah. Oscar winner David O. Russell. I I love the idea of like, uh, we need an Uncharted movie. Do we? (laughs) Have you played Uncharted? There's 19 movies in this yeah, thing. Yeah. Like, why do? What are you going to tell me about Uncharted well, that is better than this Uncharted? This one's going to tell you Nathan Drake's origin story, which they also already did <gasps> in the game. They, yeah, it's a prequel. Uh, stars Mark. Man, I was I was just talking to someone in a fucking barber chair about how bad. Like, you know what I hate about Uncharted? Playing as the kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, so, I raided that mansion for 45 minutes and didn't do anything. Oh, that was interesting. And, like, you learn Dude, so much. Story you, get, wise, you get someone's whole life story by looking at relics. It's like it's like a little bit of gone home in Uncharted. I know, 4. but again, it's, it's why I say if you're looking for story yeah. in video games, you can movies do that in two seconds. Yeah. And the ga- this game took 45 minutes to slow you down and keep you away from the story. Hmm. Well, uh, to show I you the first awful. 15 minutes of Up. <laughs> I mean, no. games. In general, but especially games like in Uncharted, spend so much time trying to be movies anyway, and yeah. have gotten yes. pretty damn good at it. Mm-hmm. That uh, it's it's weird to me that I mean I guess I get it because there's still a whole audience of people that just no want I, I think I think I think there's lore in Uncharted. There's enough lore in Uncharted to make a fucking HBO season out of. So how are you going to mm. tell me a satisfying story in ninety minutes to? Two and a half. Hours. If Indiana Jones could do it, uh, well, that—that's my fear. Is—is is how many great explorer slash adventure movies have there been other than Indiana Jones? Like, uh, there's been a lot of really right. bad knockoffs. Uh, the oh, dude, you, National Can you imagine in, in 2025? Like, I didn't think movies could be good again, and then I watched Tom Holland crawl around on a wall to create a puzzle for. 15 fucking minutes. <laughs> like, how the fuck... Well, how does it Uncharted translate to the screen? It's stupid. Mm. We'll see. It's well, just, it, but I do find it interesting that Mark Wahlberg is co-starring, and I'm assuming he's going to be Sully. So he's been in, on this project for so long that he's gone from playing uh, Nathan yes. Drake to Nathan playing Drake Sully. Nathan Drake to Sully, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm guessing Antonio Banderas has got to probably be the antagonist of that Probably, point, right? yeah. Yeah. I anyway. am the king of Shambhala! That must be depressing for Marky Mark. Hmm. <laughs> or maybe he's like this is all a flashback and he's like modern day Nathan Drake like yeah uh, I hear he likes money and little else mm-hmm. so he, 
Oh, hey, maybe when we're done, when, when we're done filming, we can, we can go to Wahlberg and we're get some filming. burgers. Did My anybody mention about that time I punched an Asian guy out and broke his eye in half? Really? No one? All right. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. front of mind for Google me it. when people bring him up. Google I wasn't going to say it, but yeah. What the fuck? It I, happened, I, bro. It happened. I can't stop thinking about his abs in that Feel the Vibrations video. Still, I can't still stop thinking about, about his fake dick, which I with... <laughs> Uh, which was tickling my lungs right now and fuck from fucking boogie nights. <laughs> okay. It's not fair. There's yeah, very few actors that. who get to be, who were thrust in front of all of us because they had thrust. a fake dick. He says thrust. Like, I did say thrust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was intentional. You know, all of my this is a weird thing. All my best friends who were all dudes in, from high school were like obsessed with the movie Big Hit for a while. And they still, and they still I saw it. day one, brother. Day even, one. Even for a Mark Wahlberg movie, it's a bad one. <laughs> yeah. And I never Jeez. understood but, but it. It's I a bad so Mark Wahlberg along. movie, but it's a great Lou Diamond Phillips movie. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's a good point. Nice. Hey, speaking of thrusting, guys, uh, Ubisoft Forward thrusted uh, a bunch of announcements in front of us this past weekend. Uh, hmm. Sorry, that was a really... Really sweaty transition. Yeah, that was so sweaty. Uh, I streamed this one and, and got live reacts, but uh, let's go over everything that was kind of announced. Um, so they, they gave a date to Watch Dogs Legion. So that's coming October 29th. That's mm-hmm. coming pretty yeah. soon. Pretty I'm very, soon. I, I, I got to play some of that. Uh, I'm very excited about it. Uh, the, you made the, a video that we I can did, hear your I voice. I did make a video. Go to news.ubisoft.com to see cool. it. It's in my gameplay preview. Uh, or I guess uh, YouTube.com slash Ubisoft, um, but it, yeah, it's uh, the the play as anyone works really well. Uh, mm. you're, you you know you can scan anyone in you see in the open world, and you'll get like a little rundown their name, their profession, their uh, and and if they have any skills that you can use, and if you see someone that you want to recruit, you can add them to your list of recruits and then you have like a deep profile and it's like okay how do i recruit this person like lists their known contacts in the world um like their schedule their like concerns and so like a lot of the time you can recruit someone by just going like oh okay they discovered like this illegal crate of weapons if i go and destroy it then uh i can get on their good side and maybe they'll join up and then there are people who are like predisposed to dislike dead sec you're you're a little revolutionary group and so they they might need some extra convincing you might have to do bigger favors for them like uh their their friend is in the hospital and can't get treatment can you hack the hospital's database to speed this up or uh there's this blackmailer that's bothering them can you go and scare them away stuff like that Um, why would i do that when i can just fault in their ass you can't just fault in their ass. It's Damn not a it. kidnapping sim. I'm sorry. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> not the real world, Mandy. I, I like I I just I didn't like the first Watch Dogs at all. I loved the second Watch Dogs. Two's yeah, great. The second one was great. Which I guess we got for free if we watch Ubisoft Forward, right, Mike? Yeah, and I think it, it was free for the rest of the week. So you might even uh, be, still be able to get it if you like it. I, but I can't think of a game that's more relevant right now, like a thorough distrust of the cops mm-hmm. from a person of color's perspective in a real city. And it's it's like it's it's awesome. And like and I, I know like the, the, the trailer caught some flack, but like yo, the series has always been about this. Well, I, I was going to ask that, Michael. I was a little confused. I'll, I'll be honest. They showed two trailers in that event. One was for a short film, and then the other was was for the well, game. One was a short film. 
Uh, I and I had not seen that prior to the. Oh, that event. so that was the whole film. I believe. Okay, so. sorry. Yeah, the game you're talking about, you can play as any NPC. Is there a main character as well, or you they know, showed off the main villain? I'm, I'm not actually sure about that. I do know I have played the uh, the intro mission to the game, and you start off as like this MI6 spy named Dalton Wolf, who's very James Bondy. He's you know this this kind of suave guy in a suit. Uh, who who knows martial arts and has like a silenced pistol and stuff, um, but he gets offed pretty early, and uh, then the demo that I was playing just jumps you ahead. It's like okay, and this is sometime after the midpoint of the game, and I just had like a random squad of people, and and I could go and recruit more people. So I'm not sure if there's an actual protagonist or or what happens when the game picks up after that initial mission. So I guess we'll we'll find out. It's a bit of a bummer because the the protagonist from two was fucking cool. Yeah, no, he was amazing. But that that's the thing. Here's what I do know about Watch Dogs: is that what's happened to the world in the last couple months? Watch Dogs is one of the only open world games that feels comfortable playing. It, you would feel comfortable playing if you align to the left for real. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. Their, their timing is impeccable with this game. It's honest. ridiculous. It, yeah, yeah. But, dude, any like you can't play GTA 4 and I'm an immigrant. I want to do things differently this time. I murder this guy. Okay. Like, uh, <laughs> you have a, a cheery guy with a with a yo-yo in Grand Theft Auto. Uh, Watch Dogs 2. Watch Dogs 2. Um, it's great. And everything he's against Everyone is way more against now mm-hmm. than than they've uh, ever been. In two, I remember the one of the things they played up like was the non-violent option. It's like, oh, you can just knock dudes out. The, all the trailers for this one were like, I'm fucking killing a dude with a nail gun. Yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> you can do that. You also have non-lethal things. You have you have a shock pistol that is basically just it's a non-lethal pistol. Uh, that is an improvement over the taser in the first in in two. I'm not kidding. Like just with with our po- with our political growth, like mm. uh, a non lethal option to advance through an open world game is is interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just saying when and I watch welcome. the trailer, I'm like, they must have seen stats of how people actually played two, and they just focused <laughs> on the deadly <laughs> options. I it's know all. it's easier to <laughs> mow that dude down with the car I stole. Mm. Uh, other stuff, uh, real quick. So Hyperscape, that uh, Battle Royale that, that kind of went into closed beta, officially went into open beta uh, nice. on Sunday. So anyone can play that now if you'd like. Um, and it's, you know, people who, who who are into Battle Royales are like, yeah, this is offering something new and different and looks cool, especially the verticality with the jump pads and stuff. That, that stuff looks fun. Is that the, that the one with the ghost aspect? I think that's very interesting. Oh, yeah, that after you die, you can sort of keep playing and tag enemies for your yeah. teammates oh, and yeah. stuff. Heard the coolest thing about, and then they uh, can bring you back. Call of Duty Warzone is you get thrown, thrown into oh, a gulag, gulag and you yeah. battle it out to go back into the game, whereas, like, your ghost can still do shit when you're dead. Yeah. yeah. You don't yeah. have to immediately abandon you're not, you're the You're not out of the game. You're just not mm-hmm. fighting. Um. So then, you know, I'd say uh, one of the biggest announcements, unfortunately, kind of had been leaked already. So they showed... <laughs> The full-length teaser for Far Cry 6, which is coming February 2021, and it is starring as the bad guy, it looks like, um, Breaking Bad and Mandalorian actor Giancarlo Esposito. Do the right things. Uh, yes. You got any pictures of brothers on the wall? Show me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that it, it looks like it takes place. I wasn't clear if it was Cuba or a Cuba-like place, which it would is, be more it Far is, Cry-ish. It uh, is an island called Yara. There we yes, go. So and fictional. I believe during the Libtard Revolution. 
That that was kind of funny with with um, was it Danny O'Dwyer who said like squint eyes like oh Libertad. Everybody thought that at the beginning. Everybody thought that. that. It was was pretty bad. It's not it's not Ubisoft's fault, but uh, but but what the reveal of this, uh, even the leaks like led me to think very differently about Far Cry. And I immediately picked up three again and started playing through that. Hmm. Far Cry is awesome, man. It's it's I think yeah. Ubisoft's most consistent series. It's like, yeah, yeah. Good. I know a person here works at Ubisoft, but like <laughs> this is one of my favorite Focus series, and, <laughs> and and it has it has been for. I thought it was Greg. Shit, hmm. I uh, I used oh, to. Man. Work there. I'm so close. <laughs> I did Cold interview out. there, <laughs> but but like uh, how how much I I love it. It doesn't it doesn't innovate that much in terms of like video games, but it, like it's fucking excellent every time, and it like it it, it achieves a good story and is beautiful always, mm. and, yeah. and 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 has satisfying unlocks. And I went back to three and like this is a little slower than I'm used to, but like. I was so excited to hear Far Cry Six was coming out. I was so excited, yeah. and, and I, yeah. I, I had to like put. Do I have to admit Far Cry is one of my favorite series? I guess I do. It's yeah. fine. You better just embrace it. Yeah, yeah embrace it kind of, no one talks about it. it kind but of like, dawned uh, on me by surprise too. I was like, wait, this is amazing. Yeah, a, a massive survival based you know open it is? world it's, game. It's, it's the muffin top. Of the Ubisoft philosophy, <laughs> it's the Ubisoft game that is p- is the most purely Ubisoft, undistilled, it, right? Yeah, not trying to take gamey. itself seriously at all. It gives yeah. not a shit about it's realism, but does try and tell a coherent, real story. But in terms of what you can do in a game, none of it is realistic. And every other game, like, sort of pains itself, like, this is the real Domo. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think the last game far well five not not new dawn but got such a bad rep from critics because it wasn't what their expectation of the story should be right but mm-hmm. as we talked about in our game of the year stuff it's like it was a fun game with it yeah, the story it was it. actually trying to tell was fine and this is we, to- we talked about it on, on, on bonus time john stewart's new movie came out and like i want a giant takedown of republicans on john stewart's new movie and like well he's focusing on a very specific small thing yeah and yeah. so was Far Cry Five, and and uh, it, it, it it's not going to solve <laughs> a political agenda. It's a fucking game. Yeah, and, and and also like if you were looking at it to distill the the current moment, uh, like I don't think it did that. But uh, go watch like Wild Wild Country, and like oh, suddenly it all clicks into place. Plus, as as a religious yes. guy, it was a very good game. Still about the dangers of fundamentalism mm-hmm. and, yeah. and and um, uh, fanaticism. That's what that game's about. It's not about religion versus the every every game journalist in the world wanted religion versus government. And where's the place of religion? I'm like, that's not it's not what Ubisoft's going to do, mm. idiot. That's not what they're going to do. No, I think they wanted it specifically to be about the current Trumpist moment, and it wasn't yes. that at all. Yeah, no, I, I at all. wish Ubisoft was paying me to say this, but like most of these games have been about, for lack of a better word, revolution or uh, territories under turmoil, and I never really noticed that until. The latest game in the series, mm-hmm. yeah, Libertad. Yeah. For real, like they've all been about like uh, an asshole taking over a marginalized portion of the world, mm-hmm. and the asshole is and, the most important character in the game. 
Yeah. I, I got a lot of news to get through, so I just uh, want to knock yeah, out the please. rest of the stuff. Uh, Ubisoft did announce a second forward for later this year. Because um, one thing I will say, uh, they, they also, by the way, they showed off a ton of Assassin's Creed Valhalla gameplay. So, they, so we just kind of got finally got to see that in motion. But I wouldn't say there's any like new announcements for that. I mean, Although you can we got recruit to see a cat. That's pretty cool. We got to see some of the mini games in. Like, they were playing the game after. There's like fishing mini games and uh, rock yeah. stacking. Also, they game. brought back uh, social stealth. That's kind of a big deal. That's something that was missing from the last two games. Social stealth. Is that where you like hide among the people? Yes, that's where you yes. blend in. Gotcha. And yeah, people yeah. don't notice you. So I think one one disappointment that people like me had, and I can't speak for Michael. This is just Matthew Allen speaking. Um, was that there there was no like, you know, we didn't see Splinter Cell. We we didn't get Skull and Bones. We we didn't see Gods and Monsters or anything like that. So hopefully at this next show that they have later this year, maybe we'll see some of that stuff. Um, there is rumor and speculation, and again Matthew Allen speaking here, uh, that maybe Skull and Bones didn't do a no show because the dev team is kind of rethinking their approach to to that game. So who knows. Who knows when we'll see that one again. But that one I'm really looking forward to because I love the piratey shit from Black Flag. Oh, yeah. And I want Ubisoft just to do a pirate game, which Skull and Bones look to be doing. And, yeah, it's a bummer that it's taken so long to get here. I mean, I forgot about that. Yeah, Black Flag, uh, I would say not only the best or not only my favorite Assassin's Creed, but one of my favorite games. It's, it's just so game. special. It's it's one of yeah. the best games of last slash this generation because it was kind of on the on the my favorite on the cusp. Uh, so uh, not to be outdone by Ubisoft, Google had their own event <laughs> out of the blue. Uh, they did. Google, they had a Stadia Connect, I think what they call them. Um, so they they showed sixteen new games coming to Stadia. Uh, some of them exclusive, but some Ooh. some are already out there on other platforms. So Sekiro is coming to the platform, which is. That's a true test of that technology because Sekiro's fucking like you got to get your frames down tight, dude. Um, it almost it almost seems like bragging. Like there's a Bomberman a Battle Royale style, style game they showed uh, a new exclusive game from um, Splash Damage called Outcasters. Um, and then let's see, I'm trying to look at all the exclusives they had. Uh, oh, they they announced some exclusive games are coming from uh, Harmonix. Really? As, yeah, yeah. They didn't. I don't think they really detailed a lot there. And Again, then um, rhythm game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there kind of matters quite a bit. You can tell what they've been doing like with, with with Stadia is like trying to get a diverse part portfolio that proves the tech. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, super massive games. The guys behind Until Dawn. They do all those kind of story based horror games. So they have uh, an exclusive coming to the platform. And then uh, Submerged developer Uppercut Games has an exclusive coming. So. Uh, then the other stuff that's just out there that, that they confirmed is coming to the platform soon is um, uh, some of the bigger stuff. So Dead by Daylight, uh, Hitman 1, 2, and 3, Serious Sam 4, which we already knew about, uh, WWE 2K Battlegrounds, that arcade WWE game that, I don't know, I, it looks oddly intriguing to me. Uh, PGA Tour 2K21, uh, the new NBA 2K21, and then Hello Neighbor games are all coming to Stadia. Wow. Yay. Cool. So there's still hope. There is the only way I can do couch co-op now is outside my house, so it, <laughs> it has to be on over Stadia. Uh, so not so again. We kind of had another semi press conference e type thing. Devolver did their big thing. Um, normally, you know, Devolver's not part of E3. They're normally like kind of separate from E3, but they they tend to do their press conference around E3 timing. 
Uh, I don't want to go over all the announcements here because I want to challenge you, our listeners, to do this. They released a free app slash game. It's, they're calling it a marketing game that's free on Steam right mm-hmm. now to go play through, which is basically an interactive experience where you watch the trailers for their upcoming games. I think you have to run around and collect the trailers. Uh, no, no. So I, I played through it, actually, on oh, yeah. my stream uh, okay. this week. So you you basically run around these E3, quote-unquote, booths, and you just walk up and watch the trailer. There's other collectibles that you do have to find that unlock secret games that they didn't announce that mm. then you have to unlock in the game. The coolest part about this, and I was doing this during my stream, even though Devolver doesn't go to E3, they reproduce kind of reproduce the LA Convention Center. So a lot of my stream is just me pointing out like, okay, there's where Hotel Fig would be. There's where Staples Center would be. Uh, they put huh. in a new building. I, did, I didn't do it for a decade and I could do it in my head. Like, yeah. I, lit, yeah. I, I, I I owned that portion of, uh, of LA. I don't know any other portion of LA. They have both halls in the mm-hmm. game. Although I think they, they do the smart thing and have a North and South Hall instead of a West and South Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I was able to kind of point out like, this is where Nintendo would normally be. This is what you know. This is where Ubisoft would normally be, and so, yeah, it's it's kind of cool. The the booths are pretty extravagant. Nothing you would ever actually be able to see in an E3 show floor, but it's kind of like it. They basically created a maze game where they there's nominally some gameplay elements. They give you a t-shirt cannon that you shoot at these security robots to sneak past them <laughs> to get from booth to booth. So, it's free. It's really fun. Go check it out, and it gives you a peek at some really cool upcoming Devolver games. So, yeah. there you go. Nintendo and Lego came out with an announcement um, announcing a prohibitively expensive set that is coming that lets you, young, clearly young person that this is targeting, rebuild a Nintendo Entertainment System in Lego that you operate Super Mario on a fake Lego TV via a crank handle. What the fuck is society coming to? Uh, I, I just, I think I pointed out to you guys, like, this is what kids who couldn't afford a Nintendo did in the 80s to try and recreate the experience with their imaginations. This is what kids in Borat's hometown did yes. to recreate <laughs> Nintendo experiences. And now those kids, because they didn't play Nintendo, they're millionaires, so they have enough money to buy this, because this is 240 fucking dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm only going to correct you on that one thing. You said prohibitively expensive. It's Lego, mm-hmm. so it's so of course yes. They're always that way. I was wondering though, like, do they like? Why don't they have competition? Why isn't there someone else who's like, we will Nintendo charge one hundred forty dollars for the, for the very cheap? They, they to do. Make. They do. When I went, to, I only noticed it when I went to the FAO Schwartz a few years ago in New York, and there's a Mega Block section, and they have like the Halo license and the yeah. Call of Duty license. Yeah, now, yeah we, and, we need uh, uh, Mega Blocks to build a, uh, a Master System or a ColecoVision or something. But, right. but you know who their actual competition is? Is Minecraft. And you know how much actual shit you can buy in Minecraft for $240? You can you can buy an NES and SNES Classic and play a bunch of those games and still pay less than this fucking two hundred and forty dollars. I, I do, I do, yeah, I do want to do a bit of a hot take here. To pay Nintendo two hundred fifty to three hundred dollars, so you can build two boxes that look like a horrific <laughs> rendition of the thing you used to like, is the most asinine aspect of fandom that I fucking loathe. It and it works. Remember I we talked about it. they have that Mario playset, which is kind of cool with like the Mario that makes noises and that you, shit is dope. I have no problem with that. Integrates with this where if you like connect Mario to the fake TV, it'll 
This is so sad when I say it out loud. It plays the Mario song so that you can pretend you're playing Mario as you crank the handle. This is some weird shit, I, I just, like, I don't get fandom sometimes in, in that, like, are, is, are people my age really at a loss for things to buy that say they love the original <laughs> right? NES? Do they ha- do they have to pay this much for nothing? Like a bo- a boring boring uh, Lego assembly. Who like, are they targeting? This sucks. Because kids don't have nostalgia for Nintendo, so it's clearly right. going after this the adult is, collector crowd. This is dumb, and I feel I feel like I'm being manipulated personally because, like, yeah, I sort of dig it, but then also like, fuck this shit. Yeah, this I use my Barnes and Noble gift gift certificate to buy the fucking Flintstones set because I thought that would entertain people. Now I understand how '70s punks felt about me going to Hot Topic and buying a Clash shirt. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It, it, it feels awful. This is the first time it's felt awful. But now, Michael, imagine you had to build that class shirt out of Lego, and mm. that's actually how this feels. I mean, I paid $20 for it, which is like how much you would have to pay to go see the Clash in the 80s. That's right. So That's right. Uh, last bit of news. So I think some of us were a little concerned, like, man, there might not be enough PS5s to go around because of this COVID crisis. So Sony, actually, they showed off. I've seen some other news stories recently. Like, their entire factory is, like, robotic. They have ramped up production. They are targeting to ship 10 million PS5 units by the end of this year to meet demand for that system. So they are realizing, hey, people need to play video games because they're stuck at home. Uh, We're going to make sure that there's enough consoles there for you, which, to me, as someone who, like always misses i don't pre-order consoles so i always miss that first wave and then have to fucking sit and wait and see when they're available like <laughs> i'm excited for that mm-hmm. i'm the same I mean, way that's, that's and and, and um i i don't know i i think i, I believe the conspiracy theories about uh ps5 just because they've been cagier about it than microsoft mm-hmm. and uh but i don't believe they'll release it at a, at a good price point i think it'll hurt us oh yeah I hate to speculate on this, but there was a rumor that went around this week that was claiming it was $500, but they didn't say if that was for the high-end version or the the diskless version. Every time I'm worried, like, what if if it's like a thousand? What if we vomit when we see it? Wow. (laughs) It shouldn't be anything like that. I think the high-end will be 600 if... Mm. So so here's what my actual prediction is. If the 500 thing's true, it'll probably be 500 for the digital version and 550 Mm -hmm. for the disc version. Or 6 for the disc version. That's my guess. I've been been Googling around for hard drives for a, a, a dumb arcade mod, and like you can't get a terabyte of solid state memory uh for l- less than 150 dollars yeah, yeah and that's one component of the ps5 hmm. yep I, i've seen them for like around 100 like 103 oh no no i saw them that before covid but like no i mean uh, recently they've been on but sale. not the ones they use though which is the super yeah. fast tech right they're using yeah, it's like it's not. It's not going to happen. Mm, yeah. uh, I. I don't think. I, I feel like there's going to be a, sh- a shortage on the disc-based version. Um, if they release it at a at a five hundred dollar price point, yeah. which I think is what I they am, might do. I am not buying a disc-based version of either console. I kind of already know that. I like, said the same thing, and then I watched the Miles Morales trailer again. Like, I'll do whatever you want. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah, because that, that'd be the one weird thing is, like, if you end up watching a lot of movies on your consoles, like, 
I've bought like one or two movies on my Xbox and I'm like, this feels so fucking useless that this is locked on my Xbox now. Like if I want to watch this movie, I have to boot up my Xbox. Yeah, you don't even know what it's like to, to with the Disney Movies Anywhere thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There's an app on the PlayStation and there's an integration on the Xbox. And in terms of what I'm integrated with, uh, it's Xbox because a Game Pass. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I, I still think I'm going to go for that first, even though like they have no exclusives that in, interest me in the slightest. For me, it's the, it's all and, about that Game Pass. It's like I get an instant library. Fuck yes. But but I, I, I yeah I can't add two new slots for consoles. I have to replace one or get rid of an. I have to replace one. That's just where we are. Dude, I get I, I I get NBC through the television. My sister just did a fucking Saturday Night Live uh, Shakespeare event that I I was able to watch through my Xbox. Sony still offers nothing like Musical that. Musical guest Hamlet. Oh God, here we it go. It was exactly like that. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Uh, a socially distanced sketch comedy show about Shakespeare, which was oversold by advertisers because there's no new live programming. Jeez. And I was only able to watch that through my Xbox. And, like, it's my media machine. Like, I was talking to Michael about the Logitech Harmony Remote. Like, your Xbox works with that. Your PS4 doesn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Xbox has has made themselves a more open platform, it seems, to a lot of that type of stuff. And there's there's a billion there's there's so many factors that like I want to play the Miles Morales. Uh, That's the biggest, coolest, exclusive game. But like the the system offers nothing else. Yeah, I nothing think else. I, I'm gonna and I'm planning to get them both. But if I yeah, right. if I had to pick, I would probably go with PS5 just because it's like, well, that has exclusives I want to play. Their exclusives tend to be better. What if this generation war? And I fucking hate console wars. Just so you know, anyone who I love them. who tries to find value in themselves because they feel like they own the better console are they're idiots. Don't do that. But what if this console generation war gets decided by fucking logistics? Like, cause Sony has this, the robotic factories and 10 million in launch year. What if Microsoft just can't produce that many boxes and ends up losing because they're just not as available that first year? That'd be wild. That'd be a really shitty way to lose a console war. Microsoft is constantly producing products that look exactly like the Xbox, where Sony is not. Hmm. Oh, yeah. If you ever bought one of their cameras, it's ridiculous. I mean, everything <laughs> looks just, just cake like anyway. Every, it's every, ridiculous. Everything, it's all made out of cake. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's that's all the news that's fit to play. All right. Let's move on to the community segment, which, as always, is segmenting our community. Last week's question of the week, as you might remember, was, what's your favorite modern retro game? That is a game in retro style produced within uh, the last 10 years or so. Uh, Greg, you weren't here last week. Do you have an answer to that? Yeah, it's definitely Hyper Light Drifter. Um, really? Yeah. I remember when they first announced it, I immediately loved the st- the visual style. And then I feel like four or five years went by where it was just it was just MIA. And then next thing I knew, it was out. Hmm. And I haven't, you know, so I picked it up uh, when it came out on PS4, and I was just transfixed the whole time. I think that it's it's just the the aesthetic is so good. Uh, and then it, it, it's like taking all the best things about, uh, like classic Zelda games and getting rid of so much of the, uh, like, like fluff. It's like getting rid of all of the fluff. It's like a fat free game, you know, um, early Zelda renowned, renowned for its fluffiness. 
Yeah, so, well, and, well, and then... Yeah, you play Twilight Princess? That game sucks. Well, just, like, you know, getting <laughs> getting the upgrades or the, the key items that only exist to give a purpose mm. to the doors that only exist to give a purpose to the key items. And so, you know, like, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember what the name of the, the gear you ride on and use in one dungeon, and you have to carry around your inventory the entire time. <laughs> Are you talking about Twilight Princess still? It sounds like a Twilight I Princess. I fucking hate Twilight Princess. <laughs> it's the worst. That weird top that you have to ride around on. So it doesn't have there. that sort of like um puzzle aspect or like the like ga- gaining new gnarly powers but like the the combat is also really good mm. it just feels really good um and that's basically it it's, it's simple satisfying and gorgeous and um it just completely transfixed me from beginning to end i did the trophy and I rarely do trophies, uh, like, intentionally. But there's a trophy to dash 800 times in a row. Oh, shit. And it was the most mind-numbing, like, miserable experience <laughs> in Sounds a game. Like but uh, I had so much respect for the game by that point, And in particular, it's action mechanics. And I liked the way the dash worked that I wanted to, like, challenge myself with it. Because the dash is, like, this... Um, it's not like you can just mash the button to keep dashing. You have to hit yeah, the yeah. button exactly when the previous dash ends, and you yeah. have to do that 800 times in a row with like frame perfection. So uh, it it's like, but you know that that kind of gets at the one of the fundamental tenets of the game's design, which is that um, the action, uh, like you can't mash. It's very uh, like rhythmic and yeah. And like you, you have to get a feel for the game feel, I guess. Yeah, uh, it's not. It's I wouldn't call it a Souls like, but sometimes it gets lumped under the Souls like genre because yeah. of that the, the deliberateness of the combat for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Well, well, from the community, first time respond on VigiGameApocalypse.com was, "Hey, buddy, you got to slow your car down and let me in." Who says, "I hate to say it, but Shovel Knight." was the game that kept on giving. I loved the style of the game, and I loved the difficulty. Playing as the king of cards, I just learned you can break the checkpoints. Had no idea. Never mind that the expansions were free if you got the OG Shovel Knight, but even if you didn't, these games are worth every penny. The music, the gameplay, the humor, the minigames, everything about this game is great. Kudos, Yacht Club Games. And if you're wondering, Laser Time Rules, why you, since you were the actual first response, you got to respond to the question. This is the first response to the question, not just the first comment, my friend. Give us that response. Uh, but the RPG Luminary said, Mighty Gunvolt Burst was an excellent retro-style game with its upgrade system and bosses. It felt like a natural e- evolution of the Mega Man series. It even gave a good home to poor Beck. So good, I'm sure it left him saying, that's more like it. Oh, if only I had that queued up. Yeah, that that was under, well, Mighty Gunvolt, the first one, was under consideration for uh, the last week's top five. But then I read somebody saying, like, no, the Mighty Gunvolt was trash. Mighty Gunvolt burst is amazing. Like, oh, well, it doesn't quite qualify then. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. Whatever. <clears throat> All of the Gunvolt stuff, I feel like, was like way better than the uh, Mighty Number no. Nine, hmm. yeah. Thing, yeah. Celestial Masshole says, "I have to give some love to the Pillars of Eternity series by Obsidian. As a kid born in the '90s, I was too busy playing one RPG, Pokemon. 
Uh, so I never had that nostalgia for isometric RPGs like Baldur's Gate. I had no expecta- I had no expectations going into Pillars of Eternity, other than the vague idea that uh, some of the people involved made Fallout New Vegas and beloved classics like Planetscape Torment. While the ride was sl- sorry, he said Planetscape, but yes, yeah. it's Planetscape. Oh, Planetscape. <laughs> sorry, yeah. Um, I have heard of Planetscape Torment. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, while the ride was slow at first, eventually I was hooked by the deep role-playing elements and the beautifully rendered er- uh, areas that are more akin to paintings than a 3D space. Pillars of Eternity 2 is a favorite because it takes place in the pirate-infested region of Deadfire. Uh, unfortunately, Michael, this game does not make Blackbeard into, like- into a likable character, though there is still Shame. plenty of swashbuckling, rum drinking, and sea shantying to make the trip worthwhile. This sounds pretty great, actually. Yeah. I mean, making sea shanty a verb is fucking epic, and I do like that and appreciate that. Yeah. Sea shanties are what sold me on Black Flag in the first place. Mm. It was such this unexpected Easter egg that I think everyone, when they first heard the sea shanties, were like, this is... This is pretty awesome. And <laughs> and I hate to say it, they've put them in a few AC games since, have not had the same impact as the shanties in in Black Flag. Those are pretty... pretty well, when bad. they're singing in Greek, it's not quite the same as, now you're ready to sail for the horn. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Hey, yo, roll and go. Uh, at Putsoi on Twitter says... Gotta put Axiom Verge at the top of my list for modern retro games. Mm. The story is on point and the art style is beautiful. Can't wait for the sequel. I think of this yeah. every time I think of this series now, I think of uh, when I got tapped to preview Soul Axiom, a different game that is not Axiom Verge for IGN. Mm. And I uh, went back to look at the comments, and everybody was saying, What the fuck, IGN? I only clicked this because I thought it was Axiom Verge. <laughs> fuck you for tricking me. <laughs> yeah, every time I, I see it. that art, it just—it's very Geiger-esque art, you know. Mm-hmm. Like even like the the key art for the game, and I'm just like, oh, I, I think I've played that game a total of ten minutes. And went, oh, this is neat. I should keep playing this, and then fade it off into something else. Mm. Anyway, yeah, I bounced off Axiom Verge too. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I know it's uh, beloved from the official Laser Time Facebook community. Um, Jesse Moore says, "I am so glad this was the question of the week." Well. You're welcome, Jesse Moore. I just discovered this gem while researching games for our podcast, uh, Project Warlock, made by a 19-year-old who loved the classic shooters like Doom and such. This game is basically a classic FPS with awesome pixel sprites that blow up into glorious pixel jibs. Gibbs? Uh, you're a warlock. Very good. With a... <laughs> <laughs> You're a warlock, very good. Uh, with a magic staff and machine guns fighting all sorts of crazy creatures and demons. It's a blast to play and probably cheap. The music is hella great too. Marco Coletta says, uh, this game may not count, but the game that comes to mind for me is 3D Dot Game Heroes. It's such a lovely uh, recreation homage to the original Legend of Zelda. I wish there were more games like this. I, I, I don't think that a retro game needs to strictly be a, a 2D D-make. Game, uh, games like uh, 3D Dot um, Game Heroes and Fez have taken core ideas and uh, an essence of the franchise that uh, inspired them and they have evolved <laughs> in, I think, sorry, uh, faithful ways uh, that the original creator never considered. The Bloodstained games, uh, were, while amazing, are literally just more advanced clones of an IP they don't have the rights to. Um, 
is that retro? Retro enough, sure. Why not? I, I, feel, I feel like we should break out into a sea shanty with Chris being this drunk right now. <laughs> Just like, hey, sorry. all lads, all sorry. over there. It, it's not that I'm that yeah. drunk. I, I just can't speak and, and I'm belching all the time. I'm very, very Rick Sanchez right now, but uh, but <laughs> I think he has an excellent point. When when I played games like 3D Dot Game here, I was like, this isn't actually a retro game. This is a modern game trying to appeal to my retro nature, yeah. and it's not fun. Hmm. Huh. And yeah, it's not retro at all. It, like it doesn't unfold in any way that a retro game does. And then when we we talk about Circle of the Moon two, like you can't do that again. Like. Uh, when Quentin Tarantino remakes a genre, he moves on. He, there's right. Someone said that's true in the background. I don't know who it was. <laughs> that was me. Like, uh, but like, it, you can't you can't do that again. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. Circle of the Moon two like bugs me, hmm. and so does a certain aspects of 3D dot game heroes. Well. Uh, Rebecca Swift says, Minute! That game is fun as heck and has a ton of charm for something with worse graphics than Undertale. It's also kind of difficult, but in a way that makes you want to keep trying to figure it out rather than just being or rather than just being how to beat minute i think that's the first time i've ever seen someone use being as a verb in writing oh my god <laughs> i'm telling you guys man get on the bing train because you get those rewards no and like you can get like a free xbox game pass every month just by searching stuff it's Never. crazy google for life uh, we also have a couple video responses uh, first the return of gallatin carhart Good morning, VGA. This is Gallatin Carhartt. It's been a bit, my friends. It's been a little while, but I've been working during the pandemic and hustling, still making money, keeping the farm rolling, uh, doing what I can. But this week, I don't know, Chris might recognize that water behind me or that shoreline right there. Mm. I don't know if he can fully see it, but I am here in his part of the state in his little secret hideaway out here at... Uh at uh, the island, St. George Island. I got Crypto with me. We're in our kayak. We like to rent a kayak, Crypto and I, but we didn't have a tandem one. Uh, a single one is a little snug. It's a little snug for Crypto and I. He's got his life jacket on. Life is good. And then the daughter's out there on the paddleboard, and the niece is over there on the paddleboard, way out there. Anyways, life is fine, relaxing, staying away from the world as much as possible, and uh, hope everything's everybody's cool there answer to this week's question of the week you ask favorite retro inspired etc game and then chris said it before me i'm gonna say shovel knight that little game is addicting it's it's cool it's chill it's e- it's i'll say easy i know it's not easy easy but just meaning it's not a hard complicated game to figure out what goes where and this and that i like me some shovel knight nice and easy going i love the uh the uh Amiibos, I don't really do anything with them other than I got a couple of them and then just said, just sit them on a shelf, I guess. Sit them at school, something. So anyways, that's that's it. Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight is my answer. Thank you, Chris, for concurring. That's about it, fellas. I'm going to chill for a little bit longer, get some more sun and, and relax, and then get back to the farm soon enough. Anyways, y'all take it easy. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for that, man. Uh, yeah, it's a dig thing, am I right? Um, what? <laughs> dig, pun, terrible. Uh, uh, anyway, I you said dick. I thought you were emphasizing the dick. No, no, it's a shovel knight. He digs. Uh, oh. Red Rock 963 says, 
Hey VGA, it is Redrock963 here to compliment you on an awesome show last week. Thank you. It uh, gave me a bunch of opportunities to try out some new games. I actually picked up Donkey Kong 94 on the eShop because I haven't played that in ages. And I also discovered that Dark Void Zero is in fact still on the 3DS eShop. You just have to like search for it, but only on the 3DS. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about my favorite modern retro game. Gotta go with you guys' answer on this one. Sonic Mania. I love this game so much. I actually bought a Genesis box off of eBay. (laughs) Stuck the uh, cart that came with it. And I had a friend get me a manual from PAX. Um, But talking about the game itself, I feel like Sega really kind of lost track of what made Sonic good, and that Sonic was about good platforming and speed. And Christian Whitehead and the crew here just nailed it. Oh, I love this game. I, I actually own, I own the Collector's Edition, and I bought the Sonic Mania Plus Physical Edition. That's how much I love this game. And I sincerely hope that they make a sequel. Please, gods of Sega, make a sequel to this, because it's awesome. Anyway, uh, thanks for an excellent show last week, and I shall talk to you later. Thank you. I'm sure they'll make a sequel at some point. It seems like an I inevitability. Hope, I hope so, but the fact that there wasn't one in the ready when this this was successful. They, they didn't release a I, Sonic Forces Plus. I would not. I would not be surprised if they kind of weren't expecting it to be successful. <laughs> but hmm. yeah, I would. See, I could see the two. And uh, but again, a minor plug for our buddy Heidi Kemp's on Kotaku. Right now, she has a really cool article about Sonic uh, prototypes. Hmm. Nice. Where you can you can see Sonic through the years, uh, the things we were never meant to see. That's cool. Yeah, I know she's she's a huge fan. My guess with the Sonic Mania two delay is, I don't think Christian Whitehead and company want to just do another one of those. So my guess is they're trying to think like, well, what should we remake? Like, which which elements of Sonic past should we maybe put into a new game? You know, like, are they going to throw tails in there this time for the game and? That, that's probably more what it is. They're just trying to figure out how to make it I think it his, his body dysmorphism and how many chili dogs can he eat mm-hmm. in a single run. And can he still run after a certain amount of... Ch- I had a chili dog today. And I'm like, this cannot be anyone's favorite food. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is ridiculous. Just imagine he gets fast enough after eating 24 chili dogs and then just leaves a trail of things that look vaguely like chili dogs just, behind him. Just yeah. looking at Greg, if he ate a chili dog right now, he would shit all over his white V-neck. It would be a disaster. <laughs> white neck. He'd somehow shit upwards. Yes. I, but you exactly don't know Greg. You didn't work with him. <laughs> <laughs> you guys ever had a chili dog from Schnitzel? Mm. Like, Schnitzel yeah. chili is not chili. It's like this gelatinous... Thing. I have never wanted to buy into a franchise until like, oh, I can start my own wiener schnitzel. <laughs> Why don't we have this in this fucking? Actually, this- some of my fondest <laughs> memories of summer involve going down to Seven Eleven and getting hot dogs with nacho cheese and chili on. Them. Yes, and you can still get those. Hot dogs some of my favorite foods. I probably ate so many buttholes. There is a Seven oh, Eleven combo they will pull out occasionally that for a dollar fifty you can get a big gulp and a fucking hot dog to put all the chili and cheese and jalapenos you want man and it's yeah it's uh i am ba- i'm barely time. fucking around when i eat a chicago style hot dog that's like the most vegetables i ever eat <laughs> jesus <laughs> it's not good i ordered a chicago style uh, hot dog once in an airport and i was like how the fuck am i supposed to eat this 
Yes. Sexily. I guess. <laughs> it's not finger food. You can't just pick it up. No. 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 Anyway, uh, new question of the week. Uh, now that we didn't have it, do you think we need E3? Uh, did you change your mind? Why or why not? Um, I don't know. I think there's there's good and bad points to not having an E3. I mean, it's convenient, especially as a consumer, to have everything in one place. Um, I do think that this newer model kind of gives individual companies a chance to kind of take the spotlight for a little while. Um, and, and that's interesting. Um, but I don't know. What do you guys think? I think, I think, I think the company you work for is a, a really good example of, I think, uh, Ubisoft, the games they announced would have gone over really great mm-hmm. in a, a field of all announcements. Mm-hmm. But we all expected every new announcement to somehow save our world, yeah. <laughs> and it sucked. It like it, like it, it. No one can do that ever. Yeah. And and the idea of like having um, dozens of game announcements in a single week is neat. It is is it is universally neat. It, like you know when like Marvel announces like here's our game plan for the fucking next two years. Mm-hmm. Now imagine if every movie company did that during one week. It would be neat, hmm. and we have that, and I, and like that's the thing that like there are reasons why I I, I get E three should go away, and I, and and I speak on behalf of most of the people here. Like I don't I don't really want to go back. Mm-hmm. I do miss L A a little bit, but like I don't want to go back and participate in E three. And I it would be interesting <laughs> if E three was like a conglomeration of digital events. Um, I- yeah, like okay, what this really showed me is so absolutely yes, we need an E3 in some form that is basically taking all these announcements and putting them at the same time. Mm-hmm. But to your point, Michael, like yeah, it did give every company their chance to shine, but every single one of these conferences, including Sony, which is probably the best with the biggest stuff, just went over like a fart in church. Like it, it, they, yeah. there was no like giant. I never got. I didn't get the E3 feeling. That I normally yeah, get that every, week. Everybody was like, let me take a moment to criticize every part of this press conference. And people definitely did that mm. when E3 was happening. Right. But it was like, there was literally nothing else to do. Yeah. Other than pick yeah. apart individual press conferences. So yeah. I agree, though, that like I could totally do without the show floor. Because like, E3, the most of the value for me as a marketing guy is like all the eyeballs on my announcement either on yeah. Microsoft stage or Sony's stage or Nintendo's or our own stage, you know, depending on, you know, whatever. And, but it was also like, you know, what is it? The, the all ships rise with the tide, right? Mm-hmm. Like E3 was that tide of like, Hey, all of our announcements are feeling bigger because we've had like a hundred announcements this week. Whereas spacing them out in this way across two to three months has just made everything feel a little bit small. Yeah. yeah. And I would controlling your message means a, I don't hear your message. Hmm. And and B, it doesn't make the medium feel grand mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah, but I, I yeah, I, I think there's a case to be made there, especially for smaller publishers. That E3 was kind of a, a big chance to step into the spotlight, where like you know you might notice like oh, uh, just as a random example, Natsume has something huge yeah. on the show floor. Whereas if Natsume has its own version of Nintendo Direct, are you going to tune into that? Like how many people are going to tune into that? Like. 
if they if they don't already kind of have a big mind share, like how are they going to get attention? Well, and they tried to join. Remember, Sega did their thing where they grabbed a bunch of smaller publishers and they're mm-hmm. like, "Here, we're going to have our own thing." But it just felt too just too just disjointed. Too many people tried that, and it's just like I need. I don't know. Like it's it. I feel bad having to say this, but it's like fucking yeah. I kind of my attention span is short enough where I kind of need a lot of announcements within two or three days, and then let me pick the winners out of that. Versus like, oh man, I, I I don't know how excited I am for Ubisoft stuff versus Sony's because they were fucking you know a month apart. Like, what am I supposed mm-hmm. to do? You know, it's it's very strange, and I I don't think once again I think I, I think. Um, a bunch of people championed not they're not being an E3. Yeah. You will so miss it when it's yeah. gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Treating your medium like this giant holiday. I mean, you know, speaking for myself personally, it was kind of nice to take a holiday from it this year, but I'd like <laughs> to see it come back. Yeah. Even if it's just like digital event with, I mean, do the Santa Monica version with meeting rooms and all that shit. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think we need the giant booths. I think those days are sort of over where we don't need to spend that kind of money and you don't need that much spectacle but like having all the press conferences over that same three to four day span i think personally is killer what about you greg what are you thinking well i was just thinking that the like the last four months have been like a systematic like realization that we don't need a lot of the shit that we have (laughs) like in our society and like e3 is certainly schools fuck them but but i do yeah i mean like we don't need to I feel like that's a deliberate slam on Peacock. We don't need <laughs> we don't need to have offices for for a lot of people, right? Um certainly I don't think we need E3, but it it was fun. It it is like a holiday and I think you know, this might be a little sad, but like uh in my like for me, holidays like my birthday and like Christmas, they lost a lot of their excitement when i became an adult who could just like buy myself stuff mm. you know yeah yeah uh yeah and so then like the the next thing that sort of can encapsulate that feeling is companies announcing stuff that you want and it's i mean it's all materialism but like it was exciting to like be bombarded <laughs> with announcements of shit you like yeah. Uh, and it would be sad for that to go away. I remember when E3 became this closed doors thing uh, for, I don't know if it was just one year or a couple of years, but I, I remember even, and that was before I was in the industry, and I remember being kind of bummed that it seemed like this exciting. The Santa Monica, that was the Santa Monica year. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would... I would lament if it went away, I think, but I do feel like it could just be a Twitch channel, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, but, but we, we've been watching Jeff Keighley's game show for a long time and everyone finds it dissatisfying because, um, this, for the same reasons to his credit, people find the Oscars dissatisfying is because, um, being a fan of movies is now, what being a fan of games is. You're not a fan of every game. Mm. The same way you're not a fan of every movie. Yeah. And, and and E3 was an ex- exciting time. If you were a fan of games, like, here's what I can look forward to in the next year. I don't see anything... I, I don't see anything replacing that. I really don't. Yeah. And we'll miss it. We'll miss it when it's gone, and we will allow it to leave. It'll be over. It. This is it. It's over. We'll see. I think 
it'll have at least one more year. They're going to try in 2021, depending on sure. where shit ends up. And then right. yeah, we'll see. Yeah, everything sure. is sort right. of colored by this like bigger question of like, well, will we survive another year? <laughs> <You know? laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I, I, a couple of you I, I, I've been present for, and like, and I asked people off mic, does E3 or PAX help move your game? And how? I don't get it. I don't get it. And and, and they were like, I don't know that it does. <laughs> but uh, but it's fun to go out and hang out with your peers. And like, yeah. I think you're right. But like, and, and as long as this doesn't go away, we can all, oh, good Lord, look where we are. Hmm. I mean, um, I, I can speak for, like, as a guy literally trying to plan, what's the best time to announce a game or whatever? Without E3 there, there's this gaping hole of, like, where is my the big thing that's going to draw the most eyeballs? And, like, the next best thing is a far second place to E3, you know, in terms no, of getting that much it, attention. You're thinking We're all thinking about gamers, but if you're thinking about, like, CNN doesn't have a gaming wing yet, that's Forbes territory. <laughs> but like CNN pays attention for a week during E3. Right. And yeah. all of a sudden mainstream like gaming gaming news becomes mainstream. It's not just Pac-Man anymore. Gaming yeah, right. is a multi-billion dollar yeah. industry. <laughs> Every time. I remember old boss filmed a guy filming himself saying those words uh, less than 10 years ago. Uh, talking about video games, and but and I'm like, oh, who do you work for? I'm like, oh, the BBC. <laughs> oh, so the people who reach way more than any American outlet could ever mm-hmm. hope to. Uh, video games—they're not just a niche. All of those anchors that are saying those words grew up with video games, and so you know they know better than to say that shit. Is like you didn't grow up yeah, with Pac-Man, but, but they're Fuck talking up. to people who didn't pay attention right. to. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and that's a, like you can you can lament that guy all you want, but he was bringing video games to the masses in a way that like you can't do if every publisher wants to do. It's a sorry, this is a macro version where like you know, remember we were talking about Trolls World Tour. <laughs> I'm so drunk, uh, and and like in Universal just unleash Peacock and like ah oh, this is the best new movie and like this will be free for you if you pay five dollars. You're still streaming on Peacock. You haven't migrated over to Pisschode yet. <laughs> I'm just, that was dumb. just saying that, was good, but dumb. that like that like these things used to seem like events. I'm looking. At, I was looking at, when we were talking. I'm looking like uh, Anamusha sold like three million copies mm-hmm. for being new and in, 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 in having some ingenuity. And we're never going to live in that world again, it where is. games are going to have to stack themselves up against one another. And uh, is. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. Like, we're all fans of different genres of games, but, like, dispensing that throughout the year, it's not going to be the same. It really won't. Well, is this just a p- part of a bigger story of America's prominence on the global stage waning? And just, a, like, is this just going to be Gamescom and TGS become E3? Or like No, one, because one Tokyo's of... in red alert right now, too. <laughs> like I, I, I think it's... it's, But it's a little bit of what you're saying, and then, like, every game company being excited how they can control the message. We'll release our shit three months from E3, and no one will care. And, like, I think you're right. No one will care. <laughs> like, 
I pay attention during E3, like so do most people my age, and this could get weird. Hey, why didn't they call it Ogre Musha? Ogre Musha, that would have been terrible. I mean, they call them ogres. Yeah, why not Ogre Warrior? Is it too close to Ogre Battle? Oh my god. Yeah, maybe. Seriously. Alright. I uh, wish it was dead. Now that, now that we don't have E3, uh, do you, do you want it back? Uh, do you think we still need it? Let us know. Go to vidjagampocalypse.com, answer into the comments for episode 376. Alternately, you can visit the official Laser Time community on Facebook and let us know there. There'll be a thread that you can answer, or just ping us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse, and we will collect the best answers and read them next week. Anyway, that's been our show. Let's go out with some plugs. Greg, uh, is there anything you'd like to, people to pay attention to? Yeah, I, I stream on Lacquerware. Look for Lacquerware on Twitch. Um, also blog. Ooh. Greg and I streamed the game LSD a few years ago, which now has an official release. Whoa. Yeah. Really? Did you not yeah. know that? Yes, it has an official localized release. Holy shit! On, on what platform? Uh, no idea. All right, I'll look. For no it. idea, but like LSD is uh, streaming Japanese games with Greg was one of the most fun things I've ever done. <laughs> Goddamn. Well, if you like that kind of thing, check out Lacquerware. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at Lacquer Leaks because Lacquerware was taken. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, Matt. Um, I'm I, I'm plugging the whole video games industry, and I don't I don't know what we do after this. And um, while we while we deal with uh, our, our our COVID situation, we're we're gonna lose a couple of things, and we have to realize what what things we're comfortable with losing. And are you comfortable with losing E3? It's a serious question. It's it's the question of the week, but it's a serious question. Hmm. Um, I th- I I don't want to sound crazy or, or as drunk as I am, but um, we're gonna we're gonna lose things during this. We're gonna lose a lot of things, um, because of how badly we've dealt with the uh, COVID virus. We're gonna lose um, sort sort of every dynamic physical presentation thing we've ever had. And um, I know I know a bunch of us have cynically championed like E three is worthless and me especially, but like now I'm at a point where like fuck I miss these celebratory moments hmm. uh, in, in, in media and and even the the <laughs> Dorito Pope Cheeto Cheeto Jesus versions <laughs> like I would rather have something like that. Never mind. I, I, I like, agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, we're 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 all gonna lose things that are, we didn't know were important to us at the time, and uh, a unified way to introduce games seems weird for a plugged-in society, mm. but it also like it it still feels feels weird to give up. I, I just I'm looking at like curtains right now that never open, and that's what. Hmm. That's what a lack of E3 feels like. Because mm. everyone's like, what's Nintendo's holiday game? 
Well, you might have lost E3, but you've gained a spoiler cast from us about uh, The Last of Us Part 2 at patreon.com slash laser time. Join at the go. $5 level and listen to us talk about that for two hours. Thank you for saving this. me, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> you can also hear, hey, if you, if you like how drunk Chris is right now, you can hear Michael, oh. Chris, and I all being that drunk on the recent My back episode hurts of bonus time. I'm taking back pills. It hurts so much. <laughs> uh, I and hate th- sitting here. And then speaking of, of events and, and trying to get you know reactions of events, I w- recently did a live reaction to the Ubisoft Forward. Michael was not involved obvious, for no. obvious reasons. He works for the company. But I, I did some with uh, friends of the show, the P&B folks, with, with T.L. Foster and company. Uh, Robert Beach was on there and Brendan um, all joined. Brendan. You had Brendan. P&B people on there with Brendan, Live for the Coach Pool McGurk, House people? Brendan oh, joined the, the stream. Yes, we we uh, so we we did our reacts and then it was so successful and we had so many people on there chatting with us that um, we are I at least I am going to be doing the same thing for Microsoft's upcoming conference on the twenty third of this month so uh, check me out that's over at twitch.tv slash Maddie that C. I want Allen. to join uh, and then you can follow me on Twitter same handle there uh, Maddie C Allen that's M A T T Y C A L L E N well, as always, you can uh, visit us at VigiGameApocalypse.com or follow us on Twitter at VGApocalypse or follow me personally, why not, at Wikiparas. So that's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. I like your shirt. Oh, the one that doesn't fit me anymore because <laughs> COVID <laughs> doesn't let me go anywhere. Dude, you got food in your mouth. Smoke was coming out of your I'm mouth. Not, you just... There's no food in my mouth. It's a vapor <laughs> pen, and I don't like it. Look at that. It is the O-ring. I can't have a sneaky side thing. I have to do the full, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> it's like that digital cock, give my fin a pull, full blow job to get a fucking pull off my shit. There's the secret sound. Oh. Suck, suck my dick, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> that might also be in the secret sound. Try to make it sweeter. <laughs>